You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, and welcome back to the Oz Network for week three. <laughs> week four <The> three. three <laughs> of Star Wars month, um, which spans two months. Uh, but uh, it will be over the course of four weeks, which is Star Wars four weeks or Star Wars the four weeks. Uh, we're in the middle of it. And we're here to talk about 1985 made for TV Star Wars spinoff Ewoks Battle for Endor, the sequel to Ewoks Caravan of Courage. Um, the third standalone Star Wars spinoff behind Star Wars The Holiday Special. We're covering them all. Everybody who says Rogue One was the first standalone Star Wars spinoff ever made, and we're covering four that existed decades before. Uh, but this will be fun because I think we both went through, you know, Caravan of Courage last week, and it was kind of, yeah, I'm amazed we stayed away during it. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I think this one's a, as I tease on the end of this one's a completely different movie. Uh, so it'll be fun to cover. Uh, my name is Colin, and my star keeps me company and leads me through the night. <laughs> I'm sure you sing that to Casper every night. Uh, my name is Ben, and I'm going over to that stove to get me some soup. Whatever you do, you stay where you are. Um, that may have been the single worst whip from a Brimley impression I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of felt like I needed to be like gruff, old, grumpy, bipolar man. But um, that's how it came out. I don't know. Uh, but still, credit for actually doing a Wilford Brimley impression here. <laughs> Thank um, you. We are here to talk about the star-making performance of legendary Wilford Brimley <laughs> uh, as Noah, as well as we got so many returning characters here. All of our favorites from Caravan of Courage are back. Wicked, Sindel, and then for about six minutes, we get Jeremy and the wife and Mace. Yes, and they die! Um, Woo! They die, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if this was, you know, a response to the first one. I kind of just say, you know, they, they probably looked at the first one and said, well, there's a few things that kind of work about this, uh, a few things that don't. Let's just go in a different direction. You know, like the first one, George Lucas came up with the story for this, um, but tasked it off to somebody else to develop the movie, uh, which I'll talk about in, in a minute. But uh, just give me your overall impression, because we mentioned at the, the end of the last one, you know, it's been probably 10 years since I've, well, maybe not 10 years. Uh, as I learned just today, I loaded this into my Blu-ray player that I've owned for about, you know, five years, and it picked up in the middle of it. So I must have started watching this within the last five years. <laughs> But it's definitely been a while since I watched it all the way through. But I always remembered loving this one more. Maybe it was because this was the first one I saw. Uh, And I think this one, I think it holds up really well. I was surprised that I didn't have a similar reaction that I had to Caravan of Courage, where I'm like, wow, this just doesn't hold up. Uh, I thought this movie was a blast. And I think, you know, there's definitely some nostalgia there for me, like with Caravan of Courage. But I was pretty objective last week, and I feel like I'm, I don't have to be objective this week, because I think this is a fun movie. What do you think? Um, well, I started watching this, sort of, you know, just kind of put it on, kind of started watching. I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Dinner was ready, so I kind of ate some dinner. Then um, Jurassic Park, The Lost World was on TV, so I kind of watched the end of that. Um, then I kind of washed up and kind of sat back and watched the rest of this. And um, unlike uh, <laughs> Caravan of Courage, I didn't have to keep pausing it and doing more things. That was kind of the only interruption. So I got through it in mostly one sitting. Um, and I'll say that out of the three that we've done, this is easily the best so far. <laughs> Which, you know, again, not that hard. 
But yeah, I mean, look, I there was definitely parts of this I enjoyed. I did enjoy it a lot more than uh, Caravan of Courage, and there was some fun things in it. Um, you know, Sindul kind of can act a little bit now, so that's pretty good. Um, mm-hmm. Mace died. That was great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my favourite part of the movie. <laughs> um, the Ewoks can speak English now, so that's kind of cool. Um, you know, there's... Um, Rita from the Power Rangers movies in this movie, so that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, Jamie was watching, me saying, "What's Matisha Adams doing?" <laughs> you know, as a bird, I'm like it's Rita Repulsa. What's she doing in this film? <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm intrigued to see other things that I go along with this because, you know, um, yeah, Rogue One looks amazing now compared to to these three that we're doing, and I oh. and I wasn't necessarily the the hugest fan of Rogue One, so yeah. <laughs> um, before we get into the movie itself, and again, like the other ones, we're going to kind of breeze by this. This is a TV movie. A lot of this is let's fill this out for two hours, which I don't even think we mentioned on the last episode. The original plan that George Lucas had was to do a one-hour Ewok special on TV. And they said, no, we really want a two-hour time block for this. And he said, fine, we'll write some extra stuff and make it a movie. And you can definitely feel that in Caravan of Courage. Uh, This one feels like it has a little bit more of a story. It actually has a story, for one. Uh, As I mentioned at the end of the last episode, you have, you know, lots of characters in this one. You have human characters to interact with. You have a lot more of, like, the the, pairing up, I think, the two who had chemistry, which is Sindel and, and Wicket. Uh, and you have real villains and you have action in this. So it, it feels a little bit more like a Star Wars spin-off than Caravan of Courage that was like, I don't know, prequel to Lord of the Rings with teddy bears. But um, <laughs> And I'm a Lord of the Rings fan, but it is an easy comparison to make. Uh, with this one, again, completely new crew, which probably had more to do with the fact that, you know, Caravan of Courage comes out and they're already having to write this and develop this because they wanted ABC, I think it was ABC who was the network, wanted another movie literally the same time slot the next year. Uh, so George Lucas brings on Jim and Ken Wheat for this movie, which uh, I was not familiar with them at the time because I was a child and I don't think I even saw this movie till several years later. But uh, when I rewatched these movies as an adult, I actually recognize the names, and it's because these two guys, these two brothers who made this movie, uh, they went on to do uh, Pitch Black and, of course, created the character of Riddick that made Vin Diesel a star. And uh, it's funny, you know, just looking through the filmography, they really haven't done anything since Pitch Black. Uh, Even the other Riddick sequels, like Chronicles of Riddick and Riddick, all the ones that were really terrible in comparison to Pitch Black, they had nothing to do with. Now it looks like they're coming back to the Pitch Black series, um, so I don't know if you know, they've just been biding their time. They're like, we're either going to make an Ewoks three, or we're finally going to make our own Riddick movie. Ooh. But they got like a you know a Riddick TV series and a Riddick movie combine in the works. Them. But uh, combine both of them. Yeah, let's have let's have Riddick as the grizzled old man living in a tree, Judy Dench adopting with long hair. a baby owl. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah this. There's, there's a fun movie. That's a, that's interesting. Let's, let's combine Riddick and, and the Ewok movies. Um, but just a little background on that. Uh, and as you mentioned, most of the cast from the first one's back, although short-lived, which we'll find out in a second. So just jumping into the movie, it starts out with the same themes, which I love the score for both of these movies. Yeah. And I definitely want to find them. Because every time I watch these movies, I'm like, this music's fantastic. And I think this one, especially because it has more action, it's, it's, it's very exciting. And I'll talk more about the music on the end of this, especially the climax. But uh, just lots of shots of Sindel and Wicket walking around. What I found kind of awkward, and this is just a complaint 
I have that happens often in movies when you have them taking place, you know, in the middle of the wild, the, the Endor forest or whatever. Uh, and they're walking across this field that like has freshly mowed grass. I'm just like, well, who's got the riding lawnmower here? Low gray? Because it's just it's one shot that just really bothers me. I want to see though an Ewok on a riding lawnmower. Um, so they're exploring. They find Jeremit fixing the Star Cruiser. So obviously, some times passed. The family's been living there. Sindel has a conversation with Wicked in English, which I want to say because this is the thing that causes the most confusion among people because. They've always said these movies take place before Return of the Jedi. And um, obviously, Sindel is speaking English to Wicket. And then so many fans are like, well, then how come he didn't understand Leia that happens in Return of the Jedi years later? And it, it's such an easy explanation that I remember reading in an issue of the Star Wars Insider magazine once when somebody asked that question. And, and they just simply said, obviously, Sindel was speaking a different language. There's thousands of languages in the Star Wars universe. And the movie just translated it for the audience so audiences are like well there must only be one language in star wars but there's a nitpick because i even in just looking over the goofs on imdb people try to mention that as a goof well, it's like who knows what language is speaking i thought i mean look i yeah I, the only thing i read about this was that it took place after return of the jedi so i mean i guess there's yeah, a there's theories the other- out there isn't there yeah and it, it obviously doesn't take place after return of the jedi um because you look at the technology on this planet, and especially when you're looking at the, um, I don't even know what species they are here, but uh, t- is it Tarek, the villain? Oh, Skullhead, yeah. Skull, Planet of the Eight. <laughs> Tarek, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tarek, you know, has all this technology, which I'll have some complaints on later on, but he doesn't understand how this works. Now, if the Empire had been on the moon, I'm sure they would have encountered them and they would have understood that. So the, the fact that there's people out there who claim this happens after Return of the Jedi simply because Wicked speaking English, that's the single dumbest theory I've ever heard. So I'm just going to lay that to rest. They're not actually speaking English or speaking the same language Leia was speaking. We've all seen tons of movies where they just translate. And I think there's moments in this movie I'll point out where I think they're trying to show that they're not necessarily speaking one language but translating it. Uh, but anyways, Sindel has a conversation with Wicked here about, you know, goodbye, and Wicked doesn't understand, you know, what's goodbye, and that doesn't sound good. That becomes a running gag in this. Uh, an interesting thing here is a Wicked's eyes move. He's the only Ewok whose eyes move here, mm. and I don't know, did you ever see the improvements they made for the Blu-ray release of... They made them blink, didn't they? That the was like Prince a controversy I? that they made the Ewoks blink or something like that, right? Yeah, but there was the blinking, but with Wicket, his eyes move back and forth like this. Oh, so they okay. actually gave him pupils that could move in Return of the Jedi, but just Wicket again. And I think that was to kind of, you know, bring it in line with this, which I, I always... We'll get on this with Star Wars, but I always am bothered when people complain about the changes they make in these special editions. Can we just do a little bit of topic? We're not going to have as much to talk about in this episode, but what's your opinion on them changing things in you know the different releases look i yeah I, i'm always scared to speak out about it too because i'm probably like you that i i honestly think there is some which are just absolutely ridiculous that people complain about and i mean there are definitely some which are kind of a bit silly like i mean jedi rocks is a bit campy like i don't actually completely despise jedi rocks i like die another day mm. but i mean it's still kind of a <laughs> bit fun um and there are just some things that really kind of 
make it better. Like, I mean, I'm one of these ones that kind of like it when they all tie into things. Like, people always complain about the fact they put Hayden Christensen in, like, as the ghost Anakin at the end. I like that they do that. Like, I don't know, it just ties it in better yeah. to me to the, the prequels. I like it that they dub over, like, Boba Fett's voice and all that sort of stuff with uh, with Jango Fett, whatever is in that, Tim. And we get to see Ian McDermott as the Emperor. Yeah, like, little things like that. Like, I like the fact that they kind of connect it all in and so that, like, if you rewatch these back-to-back... Like, it, it kind of does feel like, you know, these are all sort of done similarly in similar time frames. Because that. that was always one of my biggest issues when the prequels came out. I'm thinking, like, well, how does this work? These are going to look all modern and great, yet, you know, the, the ones that are made, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago are not going to look that brilliant. But, you know, there, I mean, there are definitely some things in them that for sure I can, I think, are genuine criticism. But, like... Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, this, I guess you and I, I think, are similar in the fact that you and I will defend the prequels a lot too. And, you know, we're not sort of on that haterade bandwagon that everybody wants to just get on George Lucas for a lot of things. But, yeah, I, I, I'm probably with you for the most part here. This might be one of the things you and I agree on with a lot is just that, yeah, there's just so many of these changes that people complain about for no reason and I think actually improves the films. Yeah, I remember around the time that the Blu-rays were coming out, you know, there's this large article I read which had 90 different changes that were made. And the article was basically all the changes made in the Star Wars movies that you didn't even realize they did that were for the better. And they're little things like just the effects of the Jawa Sandcrawler mm. and some of the stuff on Bespin where it's not just looking at a stained glass window and a lot of the effects improvements. But the the thing that bothers me more than anything, it's not even – if people want to say, well, I don't like that, you know, uh, Han shot first or Greedo shot first or whatever it is. Uh, you know, that's like a, a small change to a movie. But when people say, well, you can't touch these movies, we need the unaltered original versions. Why are movies the only things that can't have alterations to it? Because you look at books. Charles Dickens would write a book and then three years later do a revised edition of it. Stephen King, his most famous book, probably The Stand, had been completely rewritten only about 10 years after originally published because he said, well, I wanted to bring it up to modern times and change a few things in there with writing styles. Almost every single major author will go back and revise their books and say, yeah, I didn't really like this. I want to fix it. So we accept it with these authors. Like if Charles Dickens can get away with it, why can't George Lucas? And it just bothers me that people say, you can't alter a movie. It's like, well, then why can you alter a book? Well, it doesn't make sense to me, that argument. Well, God gets away with it. How many times have they altered the Bible over the years? I mean, you know, that's not the same thing, is it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but um, it's... Well, God is, God is they now. <laughs> well, uh... Just, it depends what you believe in, Colin Hilding. Um, but, like, it's, like, everyone goes, like, for the original releases and that. I actually legitimately still have the original releases of Star Wars because yeah, um, I remember growing up, like, my dad getting the original trilogy on VHS for Christmas and I can literally turn around right now and see them behind me. Uh, all I need to do is find a VHS player and I can watch them. Um, and, I mean, look, I can get the nostalgia and all that sort of stuff, but, yeah, like... You know, we live in an age where everything is rebooted and sort of, you know, all these sort of stuff, sequels and everything. I mean, what are people going to complain more about? That George Lucas just goes in and adds a few little things here and there, or that Disney says, oh, let's completely remake A New Hope, shot for shot, you know, and just, yeah, like, exactly. imagine what that would create. So, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I agree with you completely, and it's, it's just kind of interesting how people seem to complain about these things so much when it's, you know, it's not like they... You know, we find out that Mark Hamill's Kevin Spacey and they rewrite him out of it and just, you know, recast him <laughs> with someone else. Like, you know, it's not that yet. I mean, probably by the time we've released this, it probably has been something against Mark Hamill. Who knows? Hopefully not. Hopefully not. All right. 
You know that um, Saturday Night Live sketch that Kevin Spacey was on where it was like auditioning for Star Wars and he was playing, I don't remember who it was, like Walter Matthau or something like that, mm. auditioning for Star Wars? I don't think I've ever seen I it. I guarantee there, already NBC, <laughs> NBC has gone out and they've got, you know, Paul Giamatti now <laughs> in that sketch. Yeah, I, I can't um, wait to the re-release of House of Cards when it's, you know, Harrison Ford or something is, you know, Frank Underwood, I don't know. Um. But anyway, so the eyes move now. That's cool. <laughs> uh, Wicket's trying to show off his sindels talking about him wanting to go to school. Wicket's trying to show off, you know, you can learn things here. So he's throwing berries up in the air and catching them, which is kind of funny. I just like, you know, the, the whole mention of, I've got to go to school. Um, you mentioned sindels acting in this. I don't have as much to talk about here, except for the fact that her line delivery, if you're just listening to the movie, it still sounds awful. But if you watch her, that's where the improvement is, and especially in the scenes she has here. I think this is maybe what I was uh, mentioning before about George Lucas looking at the first one and saying, you know, every time we have Wicked on screen with Aubrey Miller, you know, Warwick Davis and her, like, they work really well together. I mean, a, a four-year-old girl and a 13-year-old boy had great chemistry. That's not what we're talking about. But <laughs> they had good on-screen chemistry, and it really shows here in these scenes, which are really about nothing, and they're very childish, but... I kind of like them, and maybe that's because I have some nostalgia about it. But uh, uh, I think that this is where they sold this movie was you know two characters you actually want to watch. Um, the village ends up under attack. Uh, this is not the battle for Endor, but uh, one thing I wanted to mention was I mentioned this at the end of Caravan of Courage about you know that this takes place before Return of the Jedi because Wicked and his family and even Logray they're in this very small village that's like you know six huts. And Return of the Jedi, they're like in a massive city of, you know, Ewok huts up in the trees. And why did they move from there? Well, we see here, this is kind of the reason why you know it's taking place before Return of the Jedi, because they lose their home here. Uh, so these uh, space skull heads, let's just call them that, uh, they're attacking the village. And I want to say, I still think that the battle scenes here are better than what we saw. Not that the the action stuff is better, because obviously when you have the effects to crush, you know, an ATST walker, with two giant logs like that's gonna look incredible but the way that the ewoks come across as warriors in these scenes is what i still think is better and uh, i think this one's even better than caravan of courage uh, so maybe because they were the focus of this movie it was taken a little bit more seriously i also just think the tone of return of the jedi was more goofy um we we see Mace here. Mace is back. Aren't you excited, Ben? Oh. Uh, he says, "Sindel, get out of here!" No, and he no, looks no, no. And he's... Sindel, get out of here. <laughs> Go find Dad. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then he's like, "No, Mom didn't reach her step count on Fitbit." <laughs> <laughs> we see that the light fades, which means Mommy's dead. Did the mother get a line in this movie? I don't remember. She's not even cast. I was going to say that um, uh, oh. Fiona Flanagan lost Fiona Fulon and Lala Flanagan. Uh, she's not even credited. <laughs> so, I mean, that's just a body double laying there, isn't it? Yeah. Um, that was Nikki Bandrazil yeah. or something. <laughs> uh, screen. It was George Lucas in drag. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the Fitbit goes dead, and uh, I counted here, Mace is dead six minutes into the movie, Ben, wow. uh, he, probably 60 seconds into his screen time. Uh, tell me your honest reaction when Mace died here. Uh, look, I, I'm going to be honest with you. I think I kind of expected him to die, because I think I did, in that um, that thing I said I watched last week, that kind of six-minute little comedy recap on YouTube, I'm pretty sure they mentioned in it that, like, oh, in the second one, after all her family is dead, she gets picked up by an old pedophile or something like that, so... Um, 
I kind of expected <laughs> him to not last long, but I didn't maybe necessarily think he'd like die this quickly. In I mean, how does that work? Yeah. Eric Walker. Oh, Eric, we want you back for the sequel. Yes, I'd love to be in the sequel, George. Thank you for asking <laughs> me. Um, and then like they just kill him off so quickly. Like it's great, you know. I mean, no wonder Fiona Fulmerflinian didn't want to because you know it's like you need to play a body laying on the ground. No, no, I can't do that. Um, so... Above that. Yeah, I'm above that. But, um, you know, Eric I, I Walker... I'm a Gorax page for, you know, 90 minutes. Yeah, oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I just... Yeah, I'm just happy he's dead. Can we just be honest, Mace? We're not missing much. Like, there's not often... Yeah, I was... <laughs> I was a defender of Mace. Not as much of, you know, uh, Eric Walker's acting, but I was a bit of a defender of Mace's character. I, I did see this movie first, so... Uh, this was the one I was more familiar with, so I had no idea, you know, if this was even supposed to be a major character. When I saw this movie originally, I didn't know, are these the same characters? Was there another movie? It's kind of like the way I felt watching A New Hope, you know? They're mentioning, you know, stuff like, oh, yeah, your father and everything, and, well, was there a movie prior to this? I had no idea, so it's never, like, a big surprise to me, but it would be interesting to finally hear from somebody one day to say whether or not this was a shock, because... One thing to note about this movie is the rating. It actually got like a parental advisory on it just for the violence. And you can kind of see in these opening scenes, even if it's not the violence, there's a lot of like, you know, the, the space skull heads getting stabbed with spears and all that uh, and explosions and everything. You know, it's really no more violent than what we see in the Star Wars movies. But when you're dealing with the opening scene where an entire family gets murdered, including, you know, a 13 year old boy, I mean, that's pretty dark stuff. So. Uh, if anybody out there is watching this for the first time or did watch it, just let us know if this surprised you at all. Uh, one thing I want to say about these space skull heads, you know, Tarek, obviously the villain, he shows up and he, I want the power. Uh, everything, you know, the, the family guy joke, um, you know, I discovered the secret to dialogue in the Star Wars movies, like something, something, something uh, yeah. dark, sad. Yeah. something, something, something complete. You could do that with Tarek, and it's just something, something, something. Power! <laughs> something, something, something. Child! <laughs> something, something, something. Uh, Ring thing with Crow Woman. Yeah. <laughs> who is that? Like, yeah, who is she? Like, <laughs> it's, it's Morticia Adams. We'd established <laughs> this. Like, I don't, like, I don't, she's like a weird plot hole in this, but does she even need to be in this movie? She's like the Indiana Jones in the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Right around, this movie doesn't change. I mean, you don't really understand what she's doing there. I think that's a big difference with the other characters, but I, I don't know. Well, well, I'll have a few more things to say about what some fans' theories are on her um, as we go throughout this. Um, so, obviously, Sindel finally founds the dad uh, as he was being held. This little power source from the ship is what Tarek thinks is magic, which is a bit of a problem for me as well because these space skull heads are using guns. And I know that there's something that's set up later in the movie which would show, well, maybe they were introduced from technology from another character that's going to be mentioned. But they have so many guns, like, this must be their own technology. So how would they believe technology was magic if they have real technology and know it isn't magic? It's just... It's probably it's the one dumb. thing that's not really... Explained. They're so stupid, these things. It is. Because, like, it's... I mean, I know I'm jumping a lot, yeah. but they're, like, they're, they come across here as, like, all tough and, like, oh... We're going to burn down your village and, you know, kill your family. Oh, shit, look out. But then, like, when they're in the this castle, they're just, like, these bumbling buffoons who are, like, worse mm-hmm. than stormtroopers when it comes to, like, going after things. So, I don't know. Like, do they... Are they are they one of these groups that kind of, you know, go out of there? Like, remember that um, season of 24 when they didn't have... 
they needed to show that they had more people in CTU than they did. So they just kind of got a bunch of random people. I think it's when they invaded the Chinese embassy or something like that. So Jack Bauer like, oh, got yeah. like all these extra people like, well, they don't know you're not trained CTU agents. It just looks like we've got more people than we actually do. So I swear this is what they do here. They come across this village and like, oh, Jenkins and Roger and Sam, like you're just bumbling idiots who live in our castle. Put on your armour and pretend that you're burning down a village, you know, more in numbers. It looks like we're tougher. Because, like, later on, they're just so useless. <laughs> hmm. um, uh, something I found here that they're actually called the Seniassian Marauders. Of course they are. Um, <laughs> but the backstory, and I don't know where this comes from, it comes from apparently Star Wars Galaxy's role-playing game, um, is that these species, Tarek and his species, they crash-landed on Endor, um, which would explain why they have their own technology. But then that actually makes it even more confusing because I had another theory about how they got these guns, which doesn't really hold up, but you could at least, you know, make a pitch for it as a bad theory. But then they still believe it's magic. It's just, it makes no sense. And this this crazy bird lady, the witch bird lady, um, <laughs> she really has no, the bird lady of Endor has no <laughs> real reason to be there because she seems to be the only human on this planet. And you could understand this race being there, but, like, what is she doing there? She's a witch or whatever. Did she fly there on a ship? I mean, she doesn't seem to understand technology at all because she actually thinks she can open this thing. My magic spells aren't working on it. So, uh, still, I like Tarek and um, Bird Lady. Uh, can we just give her... What is her actual name in this movie? Um, uh, Cheryl. 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 Okay. Sounds like Cheryl. Tarek and Cheryl... I, I think they're fun characters. They're at least real villains, yeah. uh, which all we really got the last time was Gorax. Uh, but, yeah, I like both of these characters. And, and then the, the death scene here of the dad as he escapes. This scene, especially for somebody who doesn't really like sappy scenes, and I'm not really as bad as you, but I also don't like, you know, children crying. Um, <laughs> there's something that's kind of very moving about this scene. And this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about, about Aubrey Miller's acting, where she says... Uh, uh, mom, Mace, they're dead. And it's literally, that's probably more emotion than she gives in it. But you look at her face and she's actually kind of crying. Maybe there's not even a tear, but just she looks upset that it, it's effective in the scene. And I really like the scene where he's talking about the little bird story and everything. Um, and then we get the little bird showing up, the bird lady. Uh, she catches Sindel. Uh, we get, you were talking about, you know, weird, creepy child molester Noah. How about Tarek oh, here? Yeah. He just strokes... Space, you're a pretty prize. I've written here, you're a pretty part prize pedo. Like he's just a yeah. bit, you know, like yeah. I don't know about this, like it's creepy weird. men in masks. Something, to, something that's not going to fly in 2017. Um, last little bit we'll cover here. This is kind of just everything up to the escape that Sindel has uh, when they're in the the what do you call it the carriage that's made out of I don't know a Dubax rib cage or something and. <laughs> Ball sacks usually don't have bones on them. But, well, well, they maybe. could. They're an alien race, <laughs> Colin. You know? You know all about their different type physiology of and stuff like that. <laughs> but they pull the floorboards out, which is very easy for them to do. And this is something I never even noticed as a real plot hole up until now. So they pull two of these boards out, and then they measure. And I love just that moment. Like, Ewoks have this fun physicality where they're kind of like mimes. They could you know, um, actually articulate, like, character and personality without having to speak. And he measures the size of the floorboards and holds it up to an Ewok's belly, basically telling us the Ewoks are too fat to fit through this. <laughs> but there's still, like, 
20 other floorboards they could remove. And they're like, no, the only thing we could do, take my five-year-old son and this five-year-old little girl, and let's make them jump below so they could get trampled by these dewbacks or whatever. <laughs> um, this obviously leads to the escape of Sindel and Wicked, who are the only ones who could get away. This is a bit of a chase scene. In a split second, they look up and they see a cliff they can climb. Uh, three seconds later, they're about 250 <laughs> feet up. <laughs> I write that. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and some of the space skull heads, they fall. Uh, there's a cave-in and Sindel and Wicked are trapped. We'll kind of cap it off there. So uh, anything else you want to add on this? I don't get the... Or do you just want to talk about make time? Oh, well, just the, the steamed moment of this entire film. Um yeah, I just don't, like, these Fitbit fucking life preserve things, like, <laughs> what is the point We're of these? Still con- but, like, I don't get them, like, do you want to wear one of these around your wrist so you know that Jamie and Casper are alive? Like, do they just live in a universe yeah. where they might die at any point? So, like, fuck, <laughs> mum's green light's flashing, she's about to die. Like, I mean, what's the point of this? Like, why do you need but- to have one of these? Is their lifespans that short in Star Wars Galaxy that they need to wear one of these? Yeah, it's, I don't know, as a kid, I thought it was kind of a fun tool. You're like, I wish that I could have a watch that tells me if my brothers and sisters are alive. <laughs> but you you think, yeah, that's cool, but it doesn't really make any sense. So, uh, I don't know, it's, maybe it's just, maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just a heart rate monitor, and they're supposed to look at it and say, oh, Sindel's going for a jog right now. Oh, Dad's <laughs> busy on the treadmill. <laughs> why, mom and dad's flash- why mom and Dad's flashing at the same time? What are, what's going on? What, yeah. What's that noise coming from the bedroom? <laughs> <laughs> um, Mace, what are mummy and daddy doing? Um, but, like, one thing I will say about this one is that, um, like, ex- with the exception of this bit here, it was kind of like the Fitbit and the spaceship, and then the exception of the stuff at the end, like, it really doesn't feel like you're watching a Star Wars, anything to do with Star Wars, because at least, like, with I found Caravan of Courage, when there's a lot more Ewoks in the damn thing. You know, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, it's Star Wars because there's Ewoks. This one, you've only really got Wicket, you know, along, along the way till we get to the rescue scenes. So a large portion of this, I feel like I'm watching, like, The Labyrinth or something like that. Like, I don't even think I'm watching Star Wars, which, I mean, it's kind of... Well, it's, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing. It's just, I mean, I think kind of one thing that I will say with this too, just while I remember similar to what I said about last week, is I think the special effects actually really do look fantastic, you know, for a TV yeah. movie and kind of just, you know, even those weird, like two-legged pig things that the skull heads are riding on, you know, like it's got that real 80s special effects look to it, but it still, you know, looks good. I'm not taken away from this thinking it looks completely terrible. Maybe when Sindel's, like, fallen from the dragon, that kind of looks a bit weird. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't, I don't know if that's something you noticed too. Just a large portion of this does not feel like I'm watching anything related to Star Wars. No, I actually kind of have the opposite reaction. Like, I always find... With Caravan of Courage, it just feels like a fantasy movie or a fairy tale movie. And maybe it's because of the narration's in there. With this, I can definitely get what you're saying because the majority of the movie is just two kids. And you're probably not familiar with it. I think I saw it once when, you know, I was watching TV with my nephews. Uh, But there is like this classic novel, Heidi, and they've made movies out of it. Which is basically about a little girl who's I don't know if she's orphaned or oh, lost, and Heidi. she yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, she's taken in by like an old man in a cabin in the woods. George Lucas had just watched that with his kids w- right as they were developing the story, and he says, "I kind of want to do that." The majority of the movie is that, and that doesn't feel Star Wars, so I get that. But what helps this is that right on the beginning we have this big action scene where you're seeing a spaceship, 
you're seeing people fighting over some type of technology and you have the the it's the guns the fact that they're shooting each other and it's the star wars blasters that we see and then the movie ends the same way especially since the climax of this is basically return of the jedi um redone just in a different setting it's all the gags we saw in return of the jedi you know the ewoks have their booby traps there's lots of you know them operating real you know human weapons that maybe they are not equipped to uh the the bumbling bad guys who are just falling down hills the opening and closing both feel so star wars to me that i always look at this one as the one that's more connected to star wars that's a good point you make with that um let's be honest the ewoks just have they're just these nice little creatures who just want to make friends and everybody buggers off at them in the end so like if we ever do get a third ewok movie they're just all drunks and druggies and alcoholics because they're just depressed that Leia's left them and Luke's left them and, you know, Sindel's left them and Noah's left Everyone's leaving the poor Ewoks. Um, now, does Sindel actually give a shit that her family die? Can I just point that out? Because, like, within the space of, t- like, three seconds... Right? Well, like a second, and then she's off trolling in the, the bush, laughing well, and dancing. I knew, I knew that you were going to bring that up, and I had an argument that came to my mind, which is that... Neither of us have ever observed a five-year-old child lose their entire family in at one time, so we probably can't really say what's normal or isn't. Yeah, no, nah, come on. Uh, <laughs> like, I'm sure if you and Jamie just, like, died right now, Casper's gonna, well, probably just still walk around and come out of the cupboard or something. Yeah, he's know. not gonna... Um, I, I, I will say, like, I, I have known of very young children who have lost a parent, and even at that age, in most cases, they don't even understand what that means. So I'm not going to jump on Sindel here. And the, we have more scenes coming later on which show it. I mean, she's also running for her life, too. Let's give her a bit of a break. You know, her parents dying or, or possibly, you know, not hitting their step count is the <laughs> furthest thing from her mind. Uh, yeah, Pedo Torak, Terak, whatever his name is. Um, what was the, Like a cross between, like, Skull, Planet of the Apes, things. I mean... You know, they're weird-looking things, but, I mean, I guess that's what we, you know, love about Star Wars. They're not exactly just, I don't know, like, humans, uh, except for Rita Repulsa here in a weird crow thing. Like, is she just, like, <laughs> being kidnapped by these Terak people and, you know, she's got a ring around her that turns her into a crow? Like, why doesn't she just fly away? Like, why does she want the power? Yeah. never explained what she's doing there. <laughs> like, she's got other powers, too. Yeah, it's... Yeah, I'm sure there's, you know, some type of comic book that explains it or something. I kind of feel sorry for her, like this woman, you know? <laughs> like, I don't know, there's just something about her. I feel bad for her. She's like a, a sex slave of, of Terak or something like that. Oh, no, she's too old for Terak. Oh. Um, but, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, the, the escape scene's funny, just like kicking out the bit and just these useless, you know, skull heads who just only two of them go after them. And they're like, they got this cliff in two seconds. Now, my biggest thing here is like when they, they chase after them, like they've got a perfect shot of these two people. They're on cliffs, like crawling at the space of like a millimeter a second. Like they're going so slow across. Why do they have to run after them to like then ultimately fall to, the, fall to their deaths? Is it because they're just terrible shots? They've gone to the stormtrooper school of shooting. Like, I mean, even I could get them eventually on that cliff, I feel, you know? So, like, um, I don't remember the the River Wild when, like, Kevin Bacon's shooting at, um, oh, who's the guy that's, like, Meryl Streep's ex-husband or husband? Um, and he's like... Oh, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, now. standing above the cliff and he's shooting and eventually he gets him and he falls down the cliff. I mean, spoiler alert, he doesn't die, mm-hmm. but, I mean, still, it's kind of like, it's like, I've got the high ground, you're not going to beat me, like... It's kind of, this is the opposite. If you're on a lower point and you've got a gun, you'll, you've easily got an aimable shot there. So, <laughs> stupid skull heads. 
Um, <laughs> I do love when they like, and basically end up killing themselves anyway by shooting these people as they go into a hole, and then they like fall to their deaths. So, yeah, they got they're coming with them stupid things. You're very angry for 15 minutes into a much more fun Ewok well, I'm, movie. I'm enjoying it. I just, I just don't like these like. Terak things are just dumb. Like, I mean, like, as in, I like, when I say dumb, I'm not saying I don't like them as, like, they're kind of cool villains and kind of like that, but they, they're just, they're just not logical. They're stupid. Like. <laughs> yeah, well, there's, it's a kid's movie, Ben. But it doesn't matter. I want some intelligence out of this. <laughs> um, you know, you, you play to your audience, and just before we started recording this, Jamie and I finished watching a uh, made for Hallmark Channel Christmas movie, or so they called it, starring Brandon Routh, which was the reason I watched it. And Jamie loved it because it was a love story. But there's just so many things that happen in that movie, like a girl who uh, gets fired because, you know, the guy she likes, his girlfriend, thought she was being rude, So and her dad owned the store, so it's like, you're fired because you were apparently rude to my daughter. I'm like, you know what? Like There'd be a wrongful termination suit there. Like, I'm nitpicking it just like you are. But <laughs> we have to understand... These are made for audiences, you know, they wouldn't have a five-year-old and, you know, a 13-year-old Ewok or whatever uh, as the central characters here if they wanted it to make sense for an adult audience. And a Wicked and Sindel, like, a couple, because they keep giving each other, like, flowers and shit <laughs> and very close with each other. I mean, again, I know it's a kid's movie, it's innocent, like, you know, we shouldn't be nitpicking at this, we should be nitpicking the fact that he's this, like, old man in the forest, like, taking in a small girl, like, I know our minds have been warped in 2017 and in 1985 this was completely innocent, but we've got to also, like, think about what we're thinking at certain points of this movie. Come on. <laughs> I never thought Sindel and Wicket were a couple. Uh, they would make a great couple, though, if they were. Let's be honest. No, there's chemistry there between the two of them. Like, I think, like... Well, we said that at the beginning, yeah. Yeah, like, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I mean, okay, the age gap is a bit, you know, creepy, but at the same time, Wicket's just as illegal as Cindy is, so it's not like he's, like, 23. (laughs) So, you know, I mean, who are we to say that a 13-year-old and a 5-year-old can't fall in love? Like, when he's 30, she'll only be 22, so that's fine. He's also, like, Warwick Davis was 13 or 14 when he made this. You know, the character of Wicked, I think, is probably supposed to be around Sindel's age. So, it's appropriate. I'm going to yeah. say, is appropriate in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, that, that's a good call, Colin Hilding. Like, hashtag bestiality's <laughs> appropriate in the Star Wars universe. <laughs> Get it trending, folks. <laughs> um... <laughs> Uh, let's actually see if we can do that. Um, next part here is a, I, I mentioned how there's the one scene in Caravan of Courage that you know really stuck out with me when I was a kid because I went years after you know I was a kid till I was an adult where I saw these movies again, and I always remember the Caravan of Courage scene where Mace got sucked into the water, and with this one I always remember this scene where they're in the cave. And it's like, well, what are we going to do? And I love just, just the way Wicked delivers lines of, find way out. <laughs> Still a better um, actor than Mace. Yeah, well, he's a great actor. Like, Warwick Davis is amazing. We're, we're, we have to talk a lot about Warwick Davis and the little things he does in this. But, no um, intended. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I'm going to move on before you get us in trouble. <laughs> I um, had to. I had to. So he Come does. On. He does find a way out. He builds a glider. And this is one of the things I always liked about the Ewoks is that they're resourceful. People are like, oh, they're just cute, cut, tuddly, cute, tuddly. They're cute, cuddly <laughs> teddy bears. Um, but they're like resourceful. They're like MacGyver. You know, he's like, I'm going to take these dead bones of 
who knows what these these could have been Jeremy for all I know. Could have been. <laughs> and he's forming a glider out of Jeremy's corpse or There's something. Bone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is probably the Gorax, in all honesty. Um, well, I was thinking but, if this was after Return of the Jedi, this is just all the stormtroopers they just left to rot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, he builds his glider and he has the one bone he can't get, which only Warwick Davis can be there in a teddy bear suit and have about five minutes of the movie where he's walking around a cage picking up, you know, oh, here's a bone. No, this one doesn't work. And actually make it kind of fun and entertaining. He finds the final bone, he rips it out, and you see a giant dragon comes and they run, they scream. I already want to say, you you mentioned it already, the dragon is probably the worst-looking creature in this movie. Yeah. Most of the effects are fantastic. But the dragon still looks better than most of the stuff we saw in Caravan of Courage. Not because the effects are necessarily better, because I said I, I liked the effects of the Gorax and everything else, but just the design. Like, here we're seeing Endor seem like such a boring place in Caravan of Courage. And now... We've explored the woods, and we're like, well, we got these skullhead guys. We got this dragon. Pretty soon, we're going to have Old Man Alf. Like, there's tons of crazy stuff in the Endor Forest. Um, but this scene with the dragon, I always remembered it. I also just love that glider. I'm like, I want to build myself a glider, you know, paper bags or, you know, the dead bones of people around me. Who knows? Um, <laughs> but Sindel gets grabbed by the dragon, and there's a fun scene uh which actually i i'm being honest it actually is a really fun scene where there's the chase of you know wicket and the glider and uh he drops the rock on the dragon the dragon drops sindel he dives down sindel breaks through the thing they crash in the middle of the forest uh i was thinking they're glider whoosh glider crash crash <laughs> uh, and then uh after exploring the woods they eventually find teak now <laughs> I, I mentioned at the end of the last episode that there was one character in this movie that I will hold up there with, like, my favorite Star Wars characters, like Chewbacca or 3PO or Lando. You know, way, this character is way ahead of life. Teak is that character I just absolutely love, and I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to explain why I love Teak so much. Um, I, I'm actually just going to stop just so I can get your opinion on Teak before I even proceed, because if this just becomes, you know, Colin teak love hour you know maybe you're getting a little bit bored with me but like teak is so funny and such a great character such a unique character such a hilarious look like every time teak's on screen i'm just looking at it and i can't help but laugh uh just give me your opinion on teak before i even continue the first thing when i saw teak that i wrote down was flash derp monkey alf um <laughs> like it's kind of he looks like alf and then he's like flash because he's fast but he's like a bit of a derp face um, yeah. I mean, look, I, I don't love the thing, but I don't dislike it either. It's just kind of like, yeah, okay, cool. That's Teak. Um, I mean, it's... Teak is amazing. There's like little bits there where he's like, he's running off and he's like so fast and yet somehow they can keep up with him and, you know, like it's... What... <laughs> yeah. And what, well, what... He stops every hundred feet. What is he to Noah? Like, is he just like his sex slave or something? Like, because he's just always like going off at him. <laughs> you and- find it... Thing to put in every moment of this movie. Yeah, I know. I live in the gutter, so sue me. Um, but like, I just <laughs> who is he? What has he got to do with Noah? And why doesn't he? Does he go with Noah at the end, or does he just keep him here at Endor? I can't remember. 
Um, I mean, this is like the cat, you know, that cat. is, no, it's like the cat that's wandering outside of your house every single day, and it's always like, rawr, rawr, trying to get in, you know it's hungry, so eventually you take it in the house, and you feed it, and then it just won't leave you alone, and you love the cat. Yeah, we had a cat like that. Which, by the way, is based, I just realized now is basically the plot of that Brandon Ruth Christmas movie. <laughs> you said it was a girl, it was a Brandon Ralph, just hanging outside a girl's house going, please, I used to be Superman, let me in. <laughs> Please, I was famous. I was in a movie with Kevin Spacey, which doesn't hold weight anymore, but <laughs> let me in. <laughs> um, yeah, I see your point. I mean, look, again, I don't dislike the thing. It's it's cute. Uh, I mean, were there teak action figures? Um, <laughs> I hope there are. If there are, somebody send it to me for Christmas. Can, can you, like... If you send it to me for Christmas, I will send you an autographed 8x10 of Ben Waterworth. Oh. <laughs> That's the offer I'm putting up there. That's a bit... Uh, it's a fair trade, I think. Um, like, do people dress as teak for Halloween? <laughs> oh, and they should, because he's that great. There is, I've typed in teak action figure, and, uh, well, then there's pictures of him, so I guess they exist in somewhere. Um, but yeah, he's okay, I guess. Yeah, sure. Right, well, now you know what to get me for Christmas, so at least we oh, I didn't realize we're buying each other Christmas presents, but okay. <laughs> um... Why would I type in teak action figure to come up with only Star Trek stuff? Yeah, it did that for me. If you actually click on images, though, there are... But I don't know. Like, some of them say custom action figure. Um, oh, no, there's one here. Because we did this with Lost. There was um, there was an oh, arts action figure. Auto- custom. But, yeah, sorry. Go ahead. It, it auto-corrected to Trek action figure. There we go. Teak action figure. There we go. There's a no action figure, a Cinder one. Uh, these probably aren't real, but yeah. That's the thing, because apparently we found some website where you can, like, make action figures, because there was somebody on our Lost one had, like, jokingly made one of Arts, the dude in the first season got blown up by the dynamite. And um, and I was like, as if they would make an Arts action figure, and it's like, oh, it's a custom-made <laughs> one. So, like, we could make Noah, Colin, Ben, Nick... Rossi uh, action figures, the Oz Network action set. <laughs> yeah, can mine come with a little teak on my shoulder? <laughs> yeah, mine would just be me in the gutter, like with I don't know, like porn book or something. You know, oh, this Ben thinking about dirty things again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that pretty much would be right. Um, so. When Teak finds them, they're just trying to communicate with him, like, food, food, hungry, hungry. This is basically like Mason, the first one. Food, oh, and he starts putting his hands to his mouth. But actually, look, I didn't even mention the first one. looked like he was trying to make himself vomit. Um, but Teak takes them back to a house, and we see this is, like, the total bachelor pad. It's just a complete mess. This is kind of what it looked like when my brother and I lived together briefly. Um, <laughs> and they think it's an abandoned house. So, like, we could clean it up, and this almost becomes, like, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs here. I think George Lucas was watching a lot of, like, uh, you know, kids' movies at the time. But uh, we'll clean it up. We'll make it our house. And this is Sindel and Wicked becoming a couple and moving in together, I guess. <laughs> Teeks the cat that they share. <laughs> um, after cleaning it up and making dinner, all of a sudden, a grizzled old man storms in. And it's, it's Wilford Brimley, who... It's Noah. <laughs> This is Noah in 40 years, people. Um, <laughs> now, I don't know even if this is a thing just, you know, with me or whatever. Uh, I'm guessing it's probably not the same for you in Australia because my knowledge of Wilford Brimley has less to do with his acting, which I guess he was just coming off of Cocoon at this point. He's one of the main stars of Cocoon, which was one of the biggest movies in 85. Uh, a great movie, too. Probably one of the most popular sci-fi movies of the 80s. But... Um, he was on a TV show, I remember, 
growing up watching it around the same time as this. But I knew him as the ad guy on all the Quaker Oats commercials. And it was one of these things where it's like they'd have a new commercial every single month. And it was always Wilford Brimley, you know, talking about Quaker Oats. And uh, still to this day, if I ever see Quaker Oats, I think of Wilford Brimley. Do you do you have Quaker Oats in, in Tasmania? Absolutely not. I have no idea what the hell you're talking about. Okay. It's oats, like oatmeal. But he was the spokesperson, and he was amazing at it. Um, I'm looking at so here I am. I've... I'm looking at his um, his filmography, and the only things I would have seen him in are my fellow Americans. And did you hear about the Morgans? Oh, and In and Out. <laughs> you never saw Cocoon. Uh, I mean, I think. It's, oh yeah, In and Out. I forgot. About I think that. it's been on TV, and I've like I know what it is. That's the one where the old the old people turn into young people or something. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Well, he's he's a great actor, and I like him in this movie. And they needed somebody like this because the first movie were mute teddy bears. I know they're not actually mute, but they weren't speaking. And two kids who couldn't really act, and two adults who only show up at the end. And to have somebody like Wilford Brimley who really could act, I think, was great here. Uh, and I got to give him a lot of credit. Like, I love whenever I watch movies like this, and you see a human that's you know they're acting opposite nothing like. You're not going to get a lot out of five-year-old Aubrey Miller here if you're really trying to get dramatic. You're not going to get a lot. I mean, Warwick Davis has a ton of personality, but he's doing it all through a suit by moving his head and moving his tongue and everything. And here you got Teak, you know, this this uh, another person in a suit, and yet he, he plays it completely straight. And this is, uh, I guess, the same type of praise that Mark Hamill gets a lot of now that people are really going back and appreciating well look at what he did in empire strikes back op- uh, acting opposite a puppet for an hour and a half of the movie uh so i think wilford really does a great job here basically what he does is he he just freaks out at them he's then he calls them nasty old bug lo- uh, nasty little bug lovers bug lovers is something that comes up a lot in this movie um that's just kind of his go-to phrase you nasty little bug lover probably like um, uh, i do really lo- offensive like you know like saying the n-word or something like that i don't know like dick splash or yeah. something <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the alternate because of like well, what did you do with my stuff you little dick splashes uh, <laughs> you little fuck knuckles I, <laughs> I love the one line he has here it's like uh it's like you don't just come into my house and take my stuff i don't even know who you are and he just goes who are you <laughs> yeah, yeah that, I, was, I, I tried to write that quote down because I, I just gave up on it because it's so fast but yeah, yeah. Like, so who are you <laughs> i don't even know who you are who are you typical noah <laughs> uh-huh. who are you <laughs> That's where he got it from. From another yeah. esteemed Noah. Wilford Brimley. <laughs> so he, he kicks Sindel and Wicked out into the cold. Uh, he has, I don't know, He his speech here that he gives Teak is like, you know, we don't know if we can trust them. It's like, it's a five-year-old girl and a little teddy bear. You don't know if you can trust them. What, do they get spies or something for the Skullheads? But, yeah, he kicks them out and then he, he, you know, he's like, oh, they made this great food here. They made me some Quaker oats and some muffins. <laughs> and... Some of the funniest stuff that Teak has is what he does here at the dinner table. Now, obviously, he's hoarding the food. He's stuffing his little thing. And no one knows he goes out to feed it to Sindel and Wicked or whatever. And he comes back and he's like, whoa, you were hungry. And he rubs his belly and goes, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just every moment, like, Teak, when Teak does these over-the-top things, this is how Jar Jar could have worked and people wouldn't have complained. Um, Teak is a great character. He looks like an old man. He was played by a 16-year-old girl, apparently. Uh, and just everything about Teak works, so I love this. Uh, obviously, Wicket and Sindel are cold. They make a little fire. Noah comes out and puts out their fire. Uh, so here's where his you know heart's a little bit soft, and it's like, I'll take you in for the night, but that's it. And Netflix uh, and chill. So he... Yeah. <laughs> 
come in and have a little bit of this Quaker Oats and uh, some hot chocolate, and yeah, we'll put on some Netflix. Uh, but yeah, they just go to sleep. We'll we'll cut it off before we get to the nightmare because it kind of kicks off in a different direction from there. But uh, here's your opportunity to talk about dragons and gliders and Noah and Teak. Just I've uh, googled so the person who played Teak, Nikki yes. Botello, and she apparently yeah. appeared at a like a Comic Con. Uh, Toy and Comic Con 2015 Echo Base. Don't know where this is, but you could have met her. That's that's cool. You would have gone and met Teak. Sonoma County Fairgrounds. There you go. Um, you could have met met her. Um, yeah. I mean, my thing with the hang glider is like he he, cl- he crafts it right, and he's all chilling and all like, yeah, look at me, I've got my hang glider. And then he only uses it when the dragon kidnaps her. Like, okay, fair enough. He's probably just letting her sleep. Why does he need that extra bone? Couldn't he have just like, okay, cool, let's sleep. And then we'll just go chill on the hang glider tomorrow. Like, I mean, there's, like, legitimately no reason why this dragon chase has to happen. He could just, like, jump out of that thing right now if it's ready to go. So, you know. But it wasn't ready. He wanted to secure it. That's like saying, oh, you know, I've got a rattling. Uh, One of my tires is a little bit loose, but I guess I can drive from here to Calgary. I should be fine. But it was ready to go. He's trying to be a safe driver. But he got it ready to go because as soon as the dragon got him, he left. Like, did he do anything to it after the dragon got her? Well, but it, it was ready to fly, but was it going to hold up? That's the thing. He well, was trying geez. to secure it. You could tell. <laughs> it, it lasted for... This action scene is less than a minute. But that's all it needed. They <laughs> crash-landed. They met Teak. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, but he was, he was probably looking to travel, I don't know, to the other side of Endor or something like that. Wow. You know, the Gorax village. We're really getting, like, in-depth into an argument for just, like, a two-second scene here. <laughs> <laughs> the gliders. Hey, remember I said this was my favorite scene as a child. Oh, he's, he's getting defensive of his favorite scene. Um, yeah. I, I just love how they just assume it's like they walk rock up to this house. Oh, no one's here. It must be ours. Like it's kind of. Like, yeah. <laughs> is that how burglars work in like you know everywhere? So like if I'm out for five hours and I come home and he's just like the the town bogan sleeping on my bed. Oh, sorry, bro. You went home. It's my house now. Like, it's not how things work, Sindel. Right? You know, it might work on whatever planet you're from. Where is she from? Do we ever know, like, what planet is she from? Did we discuss this last week, I feel? Like... Um, I can try to research is she an, it. Is she an uh, Alderaan refugee? Like, her planet's been blown up, so they're just, like, cruising <laughs> <laughs> the galaxy. Oh, Alderaan's been blown up. Going to, like, Tatooine. We will not accept refugees here. Um, <laughs> Space, space politics. Here we go. See, people complain about politics in Star Wars. Oh, there's too much of it in the prequels. We want to know this. Like, they could be legitimate yeah, exactly. refugees that like are seeking asylum on all these, these planets. These are the pressing questions that Star Wars fans need to know. You know, that's, if we ever get George Lucas on the show, which let's be honest, it's not going to happen. But like, that's our first question. Like, everyone's like, "Oh my god, they got they got George Lucas." We can ask this. We can ask that. Our first question: Where were Sindel and Maisel from? And like, <laughs> were they refugees? I have. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I I like this. I'm just clicking on all the different family members to see if it has anything. The only thing you could find this one's taken from the mother's bio on Wikipedia, uh, where it says Katerine Tawani and her family were on some voyage through the Model sector. Of course, yes. so it doesn't even say it's like just some voyage. For some reason, their ship had to make a crash landing. Everything's a lot of speculation in here, so we know nothing about. Well, remember, them. we talked last week about the fact that they were just on their way to see a show. They were off to see like that Blue Orb Opera from uh, yeah. you know, Revenge of the yeah, Sith. Yeah, the Water so, Opera. Um, but yeah, I. I, I the one thing I'll say, like, you know, I joke about he's Noah the old pedo and a five-year-old kid, but, like, 
you know, like, it doesn't... Nothing feels creepy about this. So, like, even in the 2017 world, we can look at this lovely little relationship of this old man and this little girl. Nothing's creepy about it, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I've literally written this here f- for your sake. Uh, when they're outside and they're lighting the fire and um, Wicket sits on the fire and he gets <laughs> his on fire and Sindel starts laughing. I've written here, Sindel is yeah. Colin. <laughs> I was hoping there'd be more to that. Um, I wanted to see some flames and some more panic. <laughs> like, you're my best friend. I've, as soon as I've heard his name's Noah, I remember being on, like, an episode with Noah. Maybe it was on, like, 007 or something. And he's, like, complaining, like, oh, there's no famous Noahs except for, like, you know, Bible Noah. Um, like, here we are, finally, after all this time of podcasting. Battle for, like, for Endor. Four or five years together. He's not even on the damn episode, and we're talking about a character called Noah. Um, sorry, Noah, you're not here, but, um, you know, this is what you look like in fiction. Um, you know, old (laughs) Santa man with beard and hanging out with Mm five-year-olds. Um, (laughs) we're sorry, Noah. (laughs) This is the best we can find. Uh, so the nightmare scene comes after this and, uh, uh, Cinder wakes up screaming and Noah's gonna (laughs) put... He puts her into the bed, but then he puts Wicked in there with her. So Wicked and her really are a couple. Noah is not trying to take advantage of Sindel here. Uh, there's a brief cut here. This is where we really find out what the villain's plot is. You know, we know they wanted the power source for the Star Cruiser, and they have it. And now, you know, uh, Bird Witch Lady is uh, waving her hands around. And I, I actually wrote down exactly what she says. Sounds so weird. She goes, mmm, mmm, <laughs> mmm, yick. Mmm, 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 yick. Um, that must be the magic spell for Unleash the Powers. Why was she not nominated for, like, an Emmy for that? Oh, I'll, People's Choice Award. Like, they're, they're, I'm sure she got something. Well, the, the actress who plays her, Sian Phillips, uh, is a Golden Globe-nominated actress. Uh, so, you know... From Ewoks Battle for Endor? No, sadly, it was for uh, Goodbye, Mr. Chips, uh, Best Supporting Actress. Aww. So, yeah, it didn't win, sadly. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, yeah, this is where we get a little bit more of the dollar. Find me the child! <laughs> Give me the power! Find me the child! Give me the power! Um, obviously, Noah had told Sindel and... Wicket that they could only say the one night. He reminds them the next day, you 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 gotta go now. It's it's time for you to go. He gives good logic there. He's like somebody out there is missing their children, <laughs> and um, I don't know why he doesn't bother to ask. Where's your family? Or why doesn't she say but, uh, like, no, May's dead. I'm so sad over the death of my family. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he really doesn't find out until later this night that her parents are even dead. So. Um, you know, when Noah does come back, I do like the scene because it's another funny one where you just have him playing off of Teak. And uh, uh, he comes in all excited, you know, and I guess the way they're trying to sell it is that, you know, oh, he actually did want them to say, it's like, where are you guys at? And he goes, oh, they're gone, are they? It's like, well, it's probably we're better off without them. And then he has these two beds there and Teak's unfolding them. And he's like, oh, I thought you needed a new bed. I didn't know which size you were, so I made one of both. <laughs> Like there's some really great stuff here, and it's just it's it's fun to watch. And Teak just is looking at us like, "Oh, nice, thanks, a new bed, Noah." Um, Bipolar Noah. Sindel eventually, <laughs> eventually comes in, 
Uh, and they got flowers, which she wants to make a pie out of, which yeah, sounds really disgusting. I know, flower pie? What the hell is this? <laughs> um, but it looks like a good pie, I'll just say that. I mean, this is done. a universe where blue milk exists, so I guess we can't really nitpick. Yeah, exactly. Everything's made out of flowers here. Can can I just talk quickly about Attack of the Clones? Cause of course. I don't have much to say. Perfect time. Here. Better than any. <laughs> yeah. You know the thing in all Star Wars movies, people talk about, well, I don't like that, you know, uh, a Greedo shot first or whatever, and I don't like uh, no and all those things. <laughs> the thing that I hate the most in any Star Wars movie has nothing to do with changes. It has nothing to do with Jar Jar. It has nothing to do Sand. with, you know... Uh, Sand is not even that. The thing that bothers me more than anything in any Star Wars movie ever made is Anakin and Padme when they're eating dinner together on Naboo. And they have, like, basically they serve them this main course of pears and peaches uh, and grapes. And they look so and fake. Anakin, <laughs> and Anakin and Padme are cutting it with knives and forks. I'm like, who eats a peach with a knife and a fork? It's just, it bothers me. That's actually a good point. I've always, like, I mean, I like that scene because Padme looks absolutely amazingly hot. Oh, shut up. But um, I've always been disturbed by that scene because if you actually look at it really closely when they cut it, like... Even that's yeah. CGI. And I don't get, like, oh. why? Worse, when she bites it. Like, George... When she bites it, you actually hear the teeth going... Like, George Lucas is sitting around, and I know he gets criticism for, like, everything CGI knows. And, like, you know, again, that's how I was a fish. I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. But, like, is he legitimately gotten to the point in Attack of the Clones where he's like, like, okay, George, here's your apples for this. No, 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 no. Put green stuff around them. We're going to digitally alter them later on. <laughs> they don't look like they should be in the Star Wars universe. We don't have Fig Newtons or Granny Smiths or whatever they're called. Like... <laughs> <laughs> There's that right. We're complaining more about the peach eating scene from Attack of the Clones than this. Um, you know, can, I just, but can, hey, I, can, can I admit something that I really love about that movie that everybody's going to hate me for? Yeah. That I always crack up laughing, even though it's like t- absolutely terrible, like shit, but I just fucking love it. Is all the stuff that when um, C3PO's, like, you know, when he gets like chopped in half and he's oh, like, oh, yeah. I'm totally beside myself. <laughs> Yeah, I'm quite beside myself. <laughs> this is such a drag. It's, like, it's so yeah, bad, but it's so funny. It gets criticism, but I remember being there like a couple of times within the first week or two, and every single time the, those got like huge yeah, laughs in the yeah, theater. Same. So, I remember yeah. that too. And I just I love the bit when his head's on like the droid, and he's like, "Die, die!" He's like, oh, 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 I don't yeah. know what's going. Oh, I die, don't. Jedi talks. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Oh, I can't wait till we talk about that one. Uh, um, but there's some good stuff here. The pies look great. Um, the next Noah. Uh, the next Noah. <laughs> the next the Noah. Next morning. He's left snug. <laughs> now he's going to Margate. Um, how to eat peaches with forks and knives <laughs> with Noah Groves. <laughs> you wonder why he's not on these episodes. He's got his own YouTube channel. <laughs> He only talks about Lost now, Noah. He's he's too good for <laughs> Bond and Star Wars and Survivor. And Tomb Raider. Yeah. I'm sure we'll get to that. <laughs> that was random, but sure. <laughs> Jurassic Park. And the Santa Claus. Coming soon to the Oz Network. Shameless plug. Cool runnings, Noah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. Um, Miracle. Okay, so... Back to the movie here. Sorry, Noah gives them their tasks. He goes, "If you're, I, I love every time Noah is 
uh, talk to them. He tries, he almost tries to be the the grizzled old man. It's like if you're gonna stay here, you're gonna be doing the dishes, you're gonna be making the beds, you're gonna be you know cleaning up, you're you're gonna be doing all my chores and everything. And they're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, which as soon as Noah leaves, they're like, where do you think he goes? He's like, oh, he's probably going to work. <laughs> he's off to the factory. <laughs> Let's follow him. <laughs> and even just. The, the, I'm not saying this movie's like, you know, Emmy worthy screenplay here, but some of the lines like perfect sense, just the way that, you know, Sindel and Wick could talk to each other, where they're like, This is the way children be like, Well, Noah told us we were supposed to do the dishes. It goes, We can do it later. We have plenty of time. Like, that's a great idea, Sindel. Let's follow him to work. Uh, and when they show up, they're just another hilarious moment where you see what's clearly a big spaceship covered by all this foliage. And uh, Sindel's like, what is that? And Wicket's like, big bush. And it's like, I mean under it. <laughs> it's like, bush with window. <laughs> <laughs> and this is where we get the repeat of it. It's like, it's a star cruiser. Star cruiser rush. Yeah. Star cruiser crash. <laughs> I do like that. And Wicket gets tied up one of two times in the movie here. Um, so when Noah comes out again, this is another great example of like Noah, the angry old man who still kind of has a heart. I just love Wicket him. Like Warwick Davis. Uh, oh, I don't even know how we could talk about like somebody who doesn't really speak in this movie because I don't even think it's his voice, but like his movements and everything, and just how brilliant it is. The way that he freaks out on Noah, and even he's like Lerno, like that that you know insult that all the Ewoks give each other, and just the way they banter back and forth is like he's picking Wicked up. It's like, are you okay? It's like, all right, I'm sorry, I yelled at you, and he's like, oh, sorry, I broke into your star trek. And it's like, all right, we're both sorry. Okay. And there's people that are yelling at each other the whole time while apologizing. Um, I I just love these two together. We need, like, uh, a buddy comedy with (laughs) Noah and Wicked. Uh, When they're in the ship, we finally hear about Noah's backstory, which uh, him and his uh, flying partner, Salak. Yeah, sure. Flying partner. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We know what those two are up to on the door. Romantic little getaway. In the gutter, <laughs> eating peaches together, sitting by the fireside. roly polling no on the grass and talking about sand. Yeah. Of course, it's rough. It gets everywhere. It gets everywhere. <laughs> Here it would be like twigs and leaves. And they the, get everywhere. And then they have a scene where they have their first argument. And, uh, you know, Noah's uh, <laughs> talking about how he hates the skullheads. I hate them. I hate all of them. <laughs> we can just easily make this Attack of the Clones. It would be a great movie. You killed younglings. Um... <laughs> what have I done? <laughs> uh... <laughs> no one's Salik. You're breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> Where is Salak? Is he okay? Is he all right? <laughs> His bones are chained to the wall, Noah. No! <laughs> Salak's giving birth. Uh, uh, Sindel. Uh, uh, nice. They're still good at him. <laughs> I love Natalie Portman. But she's shit in that scene. <laughs> oh yeah, we used to you know, bag people that give out so much school. criticism. 
People give so much criticism to, like, Hayden Christensen. I will make the argument, Natalie Portman's performances in those movies are worse than Hayden Christensen. Oh, like, far worse. Not like, all it's of them. It's just awful. She's a bit bored in Revenge of the Sith, but, like, you know, she's like... A bit bored? <laughs> she's only working with what she's got. <laughs> we used to just... Oh, come on. Everybody else makes the most of that movie. And here she is in that, and she's like, uh, it's only because I'm so in love. <laughs> like, and that's the personality we get out of her. Obi-Wan thinks you're really stressed, Anakin. The honest trailer's the best when it's like, Natalie Portman is barefoot and pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) We did mean to talk about Battle for Endor here. We found something more interesting. Uh, Anyways, back to Salak. So there's no real love story, but Salak did go off, I guess, when the Star Cruiser crashed. Maybe to get help or something. I don't really ever pay that close attention. Um, you start to piece together what is actually happening here. Uh, you have the indoor dance party with Noah and the little kids here. Yeah, my by family's dead. So- Woo, let's dance. Yeah. Well, this is the scene where they're talking about the parents, and this is probably the first moment where Noah finds out that she's an orphan. Um, and it's, it's actually, again, a much better scene that it, it really is given credit for. Not that people give credit even talk about this movie, but it's a better scene than it has any right to be. Uh, because, again, her delivery of the lines are not strong, but you look at her face and you really get some emotion out of her. And, uh, again, Wilford Brimley just you know, brings out the best in this little girl, I think. Um, don't go there. No. <laughs> don't. I was going to call you Noah. Don't it. go there, man. Didn't say it. She sings her song, which is going to come up later. Uh, it's actually a really good scene. I, I kind of like uh, this, the emotion in this movie. Um, when Cinda wakes up in the morning, she hears the song uh, out in the distance. Uh, she goes and she finds not the bird lady, but this uh, blonde lady. lady. Yeah, this this um, uh, peace-loving, free-will hippie lady on a horseback <laughs> bathing herself in the brook. And... Uh, <laughs> Basically, the way it plays to me, right? Bathing herself with a brook. He's, is that a unicorn in the background, or I just imagine it's just a sexy white horse? A sexy white horse? It's a damn looking good horse, if you ask me. <laughs> that horse is better. Bestiality. Okay, in the Star Wars universe. That, that horse is better looking than some of the women I've been with. Like, that's a fine looking <laughs> animal. Oh, come on. you got to look at that horse. That's a good-looking horse. No, I was actually going to make the comment. I'm like, you know, obviously you go from, like, this this angelic-looking woman to um, Chantel or whatever her name is. Hi, I'm Chantel. Ride my horse. <laughs> but it's supposed to be, like, this contrast of, like, the good witch and the, the wicked witch or whatever. But the horse, it just goes from being a white horse to a black horse. And I'm like, well, is this supposed to be an evil horse now? <laughs> is black the color of evil horses? Or uh, we find out from Ben, it's just ugly horses, apparently. Well, I mean, I don't know, but it's a good looking horse. That's like a... <laughs> it's the third time Ben has said, that's a good looking horse. But like, like horses, like, you know, when you say unicorns, they're usually like white and kind of shiny and, you know, like it's kind of like, yeah, that, that, that's, a, that's a fine horse. That's an animal that you'd want to ride. <laughs> <laughs> like it's in ride, like it's a horse. Get your mind no, out of the gutter. Yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. I just wanted to be known that this conversation started with Ben saying, "You got the sexy lady and the sexy white horse." <laughs> you know, speaking out honestly, I like horses. That's like a secret. It's not a secret. I mean, it's all shameful Ben moments. Likes horses. It's secret. Keep it secret, Ben. Okay. <laughs> 
I like that. I think there are still some laws for that. I know <laughs> other things pass in Australia, but some things still aren't legal. Yeah, that, that's our next, um, our postal vote. Can you marry horses? <laughs> um, that the Christian Conservative Party thinks it's going to. That's another story. Uh, we'll mostly be talking about the climax after this, so um, I'll just uh, yeah, I'll just leave it here. We'll we'll talk about the climax and uh, the the next two bits here, but uh, uh, we got the nightmare there. <laughs> Fine looking, sexy horse. <laughs> just life with Noah at home. <laughs> Why does Noah live like? Did he build this house or did he steal this from someone else? And like, I mean, <laughs> because like his spaceship, he could live in that. Like, that's a pretty. I know. I was thinking the same thing. And it's pretty hidden. He's got his traps around it. Like, I mean, why does he need to like go off and every day like wake up? Oh, time to go to work, Teak. And he just buggers off to his spaceship. <laughs> and like, what's he doing? Like fixing it or something like that. But he needs the magic power. Um, yeah. so man, he's just secretly working with Terak and all that to, like, kill off the family so he can steal it from the other starship. That should be the plot twist. Like, secretly Noah's been working with them to, like, deliver the kid. Um, <laughs> but actually, it would make sense. That'd be a good twist. Um, but, like, w- w- did he build this house? Like, I, I seriously want to know. Like, I mean, you know, it- well, it's kind of weird. It was Teak's house. It's just Teak's border. I don't know. So he stole it from Teak. <laughs> like- yeah, exactly. <laughs> Poor little Teak. And is Teak, Teak moving in there on his own later? Like, yeah. is Teak now going to be a bachelor, this lonely guy? Teak chilling with blonde, sexy woman, like in the horse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's like Endor Big Brother. <laughs> uh, what's the, what's the host of the American with Julie Chen? What's her name? I'm Julie Chen. Yeah. I, I don't know how she's seen it. I've like, seen her once, I think. Um, anyway. Yeah, kind of like Eric Walker. She delivers your lines. That's good, Ben. <laughs> Welcome to Big Brother Endor. I'm Julie Jed. This week, sexy horse and blonde woman will fight over with Teak to be head of household. Uh, <laughs> vote now uh, on your life wrist Fitbits. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I've, no one's so bipolar in this whole thing. Because he's all like, oh, I don't understand it. Blah, 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 blah. Then he's all like, oh, here's a bed. And then he's like dancing. Then he's like, don't follow me to work. And then he's like, oh, thanks for the flower pie. <laughs> I do actually, <laughs> random scene I do kind of like with Teak is when they've eaten all the pie. And then like Teak sees the other one. And he's all like, blah, 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 blah. and he like goes to grab the other pie. And he's like, Teak, put the hands off that pie. That's for tomorrow. <laughs> you leave some of that pie for tomorrow. Oh. <laughs> Teak sad. Poor oh, Teak. <laughs> Like, oh, you know, murp, murp, murp. Um, but yeah, I mean, that, that blonde woman, like, I've written, so she, this is young witch, she's Mariana Horeen, who, I mean, when you've got a red link on Wikipedia, it means you're not good enough to have your own page. So, <laughs> clearly didn't go on to much after um, Paddle for Endor, but um, I wonder if she's gone to conventions, do you reckon? Her and Teak. And we're a sexy horse in the we're convention. We're a sexy horse. Right now. I'd go to a convention to meet <laughs> sexy horse. Uh, <laughs> I wonder if I Google sexy horse, what comes up with. Um, <laughs> ben, stop pretending like it's the first time you've Googled sexy, sexy horse. horse. <laughs> oh, there's like a picture of a woman holding a football with a horse head on. Uh, <laughs> oh, hold on. 
I look up sexy horse, and the majority of them are actually black horses, Ben. Aww. So I think that it's just a matter of preference oh, with sexy horse here. There's a naked woman on top of a white horse. I mean, that's pretty sexy. Um, <laughs> there's, like, lots of shirtless men on all <laughs> <laughs> I see the picture. Everybody, listen to this episode. Uh, go to go to Google. Type in "sexy horse" and look for the woman with a horse's head showing her cleavage. <laughs> I think Jamie would like some of these pictures. What about the shirtless men holding a horse? Um, you know, there's naked woman on a horse. Um, there's, I mean, cartoon My Little Pony looking a bit sexy. That's a bit off. Um, yeah, wow. Some people are <laughs> fucked up on the internet. Can I just point that out? Um, <laughs> ben, you started this whole section with, there's a sexy white horse. <laughs> I'm not going to deny. I'm not going to, like, backtrack <laughs> on my opinions on a good-looking horse, all right? <laughs> I have no shame. You know, you know what's amazing? Like, I'm sure uh, people are too judgmental of, you know, uh, things that are dated. Like, uh, if, if somebody made something, a comment on a podcast, let's say in 1997, uh, they're like, that's homophobic. It's like, well, it it wasn't necessarily looked at that way in 1997. Can you imagine right now, 20 years from now, people listen to this episode and they're just appalled at me <laughs> talking about, Ben thinks a horse is sexy. <laughs> yeah, like 20 years I've just accepted that you can just like just do whatever with horses. And you're like, oh, Colin's so backwards. He's so horsephobic. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to hear what people think of this episode in 20 years. <laughs> it's, um, you know, this is barely going to stand the test of time for a year, Colin. Like, 20 years, come on. <laughs> I'll be in jail by then. You're... <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, uh, cool. She the the horse and the woman, and she gets kidnapped. Uh, I mean, I you know again, I'd never seen this before, but like, I mean, come on, this was coming, wasn't it? You know, sandal, sandal. Yeah, it's pretty. You know, oh no, hand me my robe. <laughs> um, and then buggers off. Like, can she turn into a horse, horse, or can um, she only turn into a crow? I think it's just the bird, right? Because we don't see her turn into anything else. Yeah, this I just. This woman just has no purpose in this movie. What does she do? <laughs> Why? Like, what? Well, you know? I, I disagree. I think she has purpose. I mean, she's the one who gets Sindel. She's the one that has to unlock the power. It, it's all about, well, why else would the... Think about it. If these villains were just trying to steal the power supply of a ship, why would they? They're this big, massive army. Uh, so you have to give a reason why they would steal it. Well, they're misunderstanding this magic. Why are they misunderstanding it's magic? Because magic lady here has convinced them this is magic. But, but uh, yeah, okay, I get that. But uh, like at the end of the day, when you know, Terax all like, if you don't get the power out of this, you will die. <laughs> like, can't she just fly off? Like, <laughs> like she's a crow. Yeah. Like, just go to the other side of the planet. All right. Well, I don't need to be here. I don't really care if you get the power or not. So, see ya. Like, there's nothing, like, it's not like they've kidnapped a good-looking horse. Like, we will kill <laughs> Brad Pitt horse if you don't get the power for us. No, not Brad Pitt horse. <laughs> like, you know, there's legitimately nothing holding this woman from just flying away and doing a runner. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's all you had to say. Yeah, okay. <laughs> point ended. Um, uh, A couple of things before we move on close to the climax here to talk about. Uh, 
first of all, with Teak, I, I just want to say Nikki Batello, as you said, uh, I did find Nikki Batello on Twitter. Oh. She has 72 followers. Uh, That's more than you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, some of her tweets are kind of funny. She's not exactly what you would expect. Uh, but what, they're, what would um, I expect if from you, Nikki? <laughs> like what? I don't think you would expect a lot of hashtag stoner's delight um, <laughs> and pictures of her wrists with uh, hashtag Officer Cruelty Burbank Police. Wow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, she's different. But I want to say, we got to get this lady on the show. This is the one I told you about, where I'd already done the legwork. I'm like, we got to get this on here. Partly because of how she ended up in the movie. And I, I think, if you look at the trivia for this, first of all, don't listen to IMDb trivia. It's worse than Wikipedia as far as like credibility goes. Half the things on there contradict the next paragraph. And a lot of them are just people's theories. Uh, there, I guess there's a real interview where she mentioned uh, the, the lady that played Teak. You know, she was 16 years old, and uh, you know, she was basically just thrust into this role, had no idea what she was doing. She showed up for you know uh, contract signing. She's like, "What am I signing here? What is this for?" Uh, but there's weird stories on this saying that she was a crew member, and that Wilford Brimley didn't like acting opposite a puppet, which was built for Teak. So he had this crew member, Nikki Botello, stand in uh, so that he would have something to act opposite of. Now, I want to ask her about this because that seems completely implausible. Why is a 16-year-old girl on the crew for Ewok's Battle for Endor? And if they just were in the middle of filming this and they're like, well, let's scrap the puppet. How did they make this partially animatronic costume for Nikki Botello? in about, you know, six hours as for what the filming is. So uh, there's just all these weird stories about how she got cast in the movie, but I know she has done some interviews about it. And I just want to hear about how do you bring Teak to life? Because Teak, I'm going to talk all about Teak from here to the end of the movie. I like, I just love Teak, but I don't know. Does that sound credible to you? Other, there, you, you would know more about, like, loose child labor laws, because I'm sure Australia <laughs> is just, like, a horrible place to live. Oh, haha! Let's joke about Australia's history, because that's where we sit in the criminals. <laughs> so if anyone knew about criminals and labor and convicts, it would be Australians. Ha-ha-ha-ha! Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And this movie wasn't filmed in Australia, but, you know, you, you know better. It looks a bit like Tasmania in many aspects. Um, <laughs> I have no clue about child labor laws. I don't know who you take me for. Um, but... <laughs> I mean, sure, we could get her on the show. I mean, everybody's crying out for it. Um, I, mean, I want to find out about Burbank police at their finest with her bruised wrist. I, th- I thought you were about to like say like she's like a, a you know like a complete utter Trump supporter or something like you know like on a random tangent like you know our, our survivor love like I love Anna Kate from uh, you know Co Wrong. But when you actually follow her on social media and realise she's like an absolute right wing <laughs> Trump nut who hosts the Anna Kate show talking about like. Trump and you know, all these things. It's kind of well, crazy. So I was, I was thinking, like, is this Nikki Batello? Let's just say Nikki Batello, a.k.a. Teak, uh, had a tweet October 3rd, 2015. A bowl of what looks like is ice cream with some type of crumble on it. And she put hashtag stoner's delight, followed by a picture of her Pomeranian eating the ice cream off her spoon with hashtag stoner's delight. Now, now just on the word Teak, like, is t- isn't Teak the the dude from Stargate who had the like the diamond on his head or something? Did you ever watch Stargate uh, the TV series? Or was that Teak? No, I 
Who was that? Oh, oh, the TV show. No, I know the character. I always preferred the the movie over. Yeah, the, so did I. But like, uh, the, but like, I I know I saw enough of it to know there was like a guy on it called like Teak or something. I know the character you're talking you know about I mean, too. Like, yeah, 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 exactly. Anyway, just random things. I keep thinking like Teak. Why does that sound familiar? And I'm like, wait, that's the guy from Stargate. Um, Teal'c. 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 Oh, it's kind of similar. Yeah. They might as well have been the same character. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you know, cool. Anyway, moving on. MacGyver was in that, so. Okay. <laughs> Richard Dean Anderson was MacGyver, right? Yeah, he was. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Yours Network, uh, oh, the new okay. IMDb of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> Anything else to add, or are you done? <laughs> I've just found a, a woman laying on a horse. Um, <laughs> You're still looking exactly worse. Pictures. Naked, and it's like it looks like you can see a nipple, but it's just the top of a tree. It's like very well. Or is it a nipple? Yeah, I don't know. I think it's a nipple. Anyway, uh, okay. Speaking of, um, speaking of nipples, let's talk about the next. So like, yes, speaking of that, let's talk about the next sequence. Where uh, Wicket comes and, you know, tells Noah, they've got Sindel, they've got Sindel. And they basically arm themselves for battle, which, by the way, watch this and then watch the opening of either Batman Forever or Batman Robin. It is the exact same thing shot for shot of basically Noah puts on his utility belt. Noah straps on his sash. Noah puts on, like, his, his weapon in his holster. I was just waiting for the shot of Noah spins around and you see Wilford Brimley's nipples poking through his <laughs> Noah <laughs> Wilford Brimley turns around. You got the Wilford Brimley cod piece, you know, with Quaker Oats stamped on it or something. Uh, it's just hilarious watching that now because nobody would have associated the time with uh, Batman. But it totally That's looks where like they got now. it from. That's where Joel Schumacher exactly. took it from. It's all from Battle for Endor. <laughs> um, I love this next scene because I love Tarek where he just becomes like a total dick. Uh, when they've got Sindel and she's like, what have you done with the Ewoks? And he's like, what's an Ewok? <laughs> and then she's like, my friends. And uh, he goes, uh, they're, they're, I'm not hurting. They're my most honored guests. And then you have every, one of those really hilarious things that villains do. They're my most honored guests. And everybody, oh, <laughs> 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 just all the henchmen laughing maniacally. Um so he tried to get her to use the use her magic on the power source. It's like, I don't know how to do this. Some decent acting there from Aubrey Miller. I'll give her credit for that. He gives her until dawn to do it. Uh, this is where the bird lady tries to escape, and uh, he locks away. So, I don't know, maybe she had tried to escape before, and he just knows how to block her. But he, he takes her ring off of her. Now bird lady and Sindel are both locked up together. Aww. You know, she's again trying to say, just use your magic to unlock the power, child. And Sindel's like, it's just something you plug into something else. Um, we see Salak here chained to the wall. <laughs> Poor Salak. Um, uh, okay, so Noah and Wicket, they, and Teak, of course, because Teak's the real hero. They show up and we get this black water, which uh, as a kid, I always thought that like he puts the stick in the water and the stick comes out like it's been eaten alive. And I thought that this water was like... You know, some type of poison. Uh, but then when you really watch the scene closely enough, especially when they're swinging across this moat uh, and Wicked has his feet in there, there's some type of creature, I guess, that comes and eats everything. Piranhas. Uh, but, yeah, piranhas. But this is where Noah turns even more Batman-like because he's got his yeah. grappling hook <laughs> that he uses. <laughs> um, and lots of fun stuff once they get into the, the Terex castle here with our action heroes of Wilford Brimley, a 16-year-old girl and a 15, 14-year-old boy. Uh, 
in teddy bear suits and alf suits uh but teak with just all the shots of teak sneaking past everything um this is where my theory comes in about the skull heads because they they already showed that i've seen your profile picture yours. <laughs> <laughs> hey i'm horsey that means i'm sexy yeah we both have changed sexy horse pictures <laughs> This is, this is gonna, I'm never going to leave this down, am I? It's going to all be like Jamie and shirtless Henry Cavill and you and ben discovering and- sex in general and me and sexy horses. Yeah. You know, you go this is Ben's thing. All the way back to Mustache on a horsey. Uh, <laughs> and me pointing out yeah, horses in every all- Bond film. You know, you now know why. Horses, yeah. <laughs> but this has always been your thing. This is the episode. I want people to, to take note right now, okay? <laughs> This is how you come out of the closet with class, all right? This man has been in the closet for years on this podcast. We all saw the hints of it. We heard the innuendos. We, we, we got where he was. We knew who he was, but he wouldn't admit it to the world. And he has come out of the closet today, and he is now out in the open, a sexy horse lover. Hang on, hang on. Ben, hang on. congratulations. Colin, you're incorrect. I haven't come out of the closet. I've come out of the stable, all right? Get it correct. <laughs> I appreciate the political <laughs> correctness in that statement, please. <laughs> this may be the weirdest episode we've ever recorded. <laughs> uh, since, <laughs> for your eyes only, moustache on a horsey. Horses bring out something weird in death. <laughs> Told you, I like horses, all right? I know you do. <laughs> um, my favorite stuff here. Okay, so I was talking about, I'll have to talk about the, the technology here. So... The thing with Salak is that you know we had this mention earlier about this Star Traveler who mentioned this must be the power the Star Traveler mentioned. And even this time watching because it's been several years, I'm like, well, what are they talking about? And of course, it's Salak. When Salak went out, he was captured by uh, Tarek and his men here and interrogated. And I kind of assumed watching this movie that these guns they have and the technology they have, because they are so dumb and they don't realize it's not magic, that these aren't their guns, that maybe they got this from this Star Traveler. Uh, or who knows, maybe there were other ones there before. But they have way too many guns for this to be what Salak was just carrying on him at the time. So I really don't think that theory works. But obviously we find out here that you know the, the connection is that they've been not misled, but they're too dumb to realize that this guy they captured, you know, uh, this it wasn't like this massive powerful thing. They're just completely misunderstanding him. Um, so we get to see a lot of fun stuff here. And you mentioned how they just become complete buffoons. I, th- I kind of think that them being buffoons in this movie because of how scary they look it doesn't feel as bad as like when stormtroopers do dumb things you know um like i don't feel they lose credibility as like intimidating villains just because you know they're uh laying down and teak rips the pillow out from under their head or uh they're playing cards and they you know, and if anything i i think that they they play it really well like the scene where teak is trying to get the keys which is probably the funniest scene for me of teak in the entire movie because if you watch when nikki Batella, and we'll talk about this when nikki Batella comes on the show <laughs> but you just watch physically the way she handles her where her hand gets stuck and little things she does like she's biting her other hand like ah and then the way she starts pointing and i had this in my profile pic she's pointing as if noah and wicked don't get it like he's sitting on my hand don't you see this and it just gets drawn out forever but it's hilarious and then the way that Teak gets out of this is to stuff the card up the sleeve and the fact that these two skullheads they stand up and start arguing over you cheated no I didn't cheat you know I I don't know how that got up my sleeve and they basically shoot each other (laughs) 
Like, I think these are much more intimidating villains, even if they do come across a little dumb. I mean, it's it's they're just supposed to be savages. It's kind of the whole idea. If you just have, you know, a race of savages you're battling, they may not be intelligent, but they're still deadly. So uh, I don't feel they really lose anything. I don't know if that was what you're implying before, but I don't think they really lose anything here. I, just, I don't know. Like, the thing that I... Yeah, I get exactly what you're saying, and I don't disagree with anything you're saying. I just kind of think it's funny how, like, you start off with them, and they're so, like... We're gonna like destroy everything and blah blah blah, and by the end they're also back to like we're gonna do this. But it's kind of in the middle when they're chilling, you know. It's just kind of like if you mm-hmm. found out like that Hitler sort of like in between. I always bring up Hitler somehow. Uh, it's just you know <laughs> he's off, you know. I'm going to kill everyone, and then he's just like sitting at home in like a dressing gown, like doing his nails and I don't know, like singing opera. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's- I I totally just pictured Hitler going. They're our most honored guests. Oh, <laughs> 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 laughing around. <laughs> um, I don't know. There's just something like, I mean, at least like, yeah, the stormtroopers and kind of people complain about them. But, you know, when do we ever get to see anything? The only time we get to see anything like remotely like that with the stormtroopers is like, oh, you hear what's going on in Sector 3? Oh, oh, it's another drill. Like, and then you hope when they just have like casual stormtrooper conversation. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, I mean, it's, again, it's not like I dislike them. I'm not saying that they're just terrible. They're just... It's kind of dumb, like, just kind of with the way, you know, even just the, the, there's that one of that guard and he's like walking around the corner and he's all like, got that real like sort of swagger about him and he's all like, la, 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 la. and they come around the corner and he's like, rrr, rrr, and they're like, what are they shooting with something like that? And he runs away like, rrr, 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 rrr. like mm-hmm. it's just, I don't know, like, well, how, how do they get this castle and like, how do they not get invaded more often? They just, they've got the worst security. Well, here's the thing. Stormtroopers, they're... I mean, they have a cool visual look, but, like, Stormtroopers in no way are intimidating. And yet, when the Ewoks battle the Stormtroopers, it felt like a joke. Um, And I I feel like when we do eventually get to Return of the Jedi, I'm probably going to have more criticism of that movie than people are expecting. my favorite one. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised with that. Die another day. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, like, it's just... It's it's interesting for me the comparison where you have the stormtroopers who aren't really intimidating. They're just sort of there. They have a cool visual look, but they're they're just kind of an average character. And then you have these skullheads that all look really scary and they're they're kind of intimidating. And when the Ewoks battle them, it feels like a credible battle. Like when you have the Ewoks with the guns and they're shooting them, and even the whole battle is going to come up, it feels believable. But yet with the stormtroopers, there's almost too much of a, a difference of like, well, the Ewoks shouldn't be able to kill them, and yet it's more believable when they're killing the Skullheads here. I just don't, I don't know how that worked. That maybe I wouldn't even say the Ewoks are treated more dramatically or more seriously in this, and I wouldn't say that the Skullheads are treated less dramatically than the Stormtroopers. It's just somehow it actually works in these movies, whereas that whole idea didn't really work in Return of the Jedi. Yeah, I see your point. I mean, it's as much as I love Return of the Jedi, I just, you know, I guess I kind of do buy into the theory of like how they able to Ewoks bring down the fucking Empire. Um, so I mm-hmm. mean, you know, there is definitely elements. That I'm not completely dumb. I did have some criticism of Die Another Day. Thank you very much. I didn't think it was a perfect movie. Um, Criticize stuff people like, probably. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But um, you know, I, I I see your point, and I kind of like you. You guess because they are more sort of savages than I guess the the well thought out Empire. Um. Mm-hmm. So I don't. Know. Is, is, is there any chance that we're going to get Ewoks in the uh, the, the sequel trilogy? <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Disney? I mean, oh please. I mean, when it comes to I Disney mean, and fucking merchandising, surely Ewoks are right up their alley. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and you know, people could say all they want. Oh well, uh, Ewoks were stupid. They were for kids. 
kids are the main audience of these movies, and they would not have made two very successful TV movies that followed Return of the Jedi if they weren't popular. So I think you could bring Ewoks back now, and people would love it. I, I tried the experiment. You know, as we were uh, watching the movies last week and this week, um, I, I was just watching my kids' reaction. I would point them out to them, like, Ewoks, Ewoks. And there's something every time an Ewok was on screen, even if it was just Wicket walking in the background where he would be watching it. You know, it wasn't like he was sitting there laughing. It's not like when he's watching uh, Peppa Pig nope. or uh, <laughs> something like off. that. <laughs> no. Come Everybody on, listening out there, we will not do a random recap on Peppa Pig. No. Well, if Casper has anything to do with it, we will. But, like, you, you watch him watching SpongeBob or Peppa Pig, he will sit quietly in front of the TV and he'll laugh and he'll smile. He wasn't doing that with this, but they would catch his attention. So, I mean, yeah, there's a, there's a demographic. I... I don't like the whole Ewok hatred, but yet at the same time, you look at the fact this had a parental advisory on it, and I feel like the battle scenes are... Would you say they're more violent than Return of the Jedi? Ah, uh, I mean, yes and no. I think the difference is, is that the deaths are more realistic on Return of the Jedi. I mean, there's a few sequences here where, like, the editing... Like, they just needed to chop the frame just a few seconds before the actual death of the Skullhead, because mm-hmm. there's legitimately a few scenes where... If you actually pay close attention, you can see them kind of like waiting for someone to yell like action because they've kind of got like a stick already in their chest and they're kind of like freeze frame for like half a second. They're like, oh, and they fall oh, over to the ground. Yeah. Like they just needed to chop yeah. like a millisecond off the scene to make it seem believable. Um, and they're also like um, kind of just backtracking with, you know, the beloved scene of Mace dying and all that sort of stuff. Like a lot of that was kind of implied violence. It was more off screen. Whereas, and mm-hmm. I don't know if that just comes down to the TV ratings are slightly different to film ratings. Probably is because, like, I mean, I feel. Are like- you saying Mace could still be alive out there? <laughs> well, it's the age-old thing of if you don't see a body. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, there's definitely elements of this that are more violent. Um, but you know, like, I mean, yeah, I, I still think Return of the Jedi probably has a little bit more violence. But in this is Star Wars, you don't really kind of associate Star Wars with over-the-top violence, anyway, do? You? No, but I, I just feel like this battle, even if it, it, it appears to be more, I feel like this one is a little bit more intense and probably would be harder for kids to watch. The music has a lot to do with that, too. And Music's in right. no way I'm ever going to criticize. Yeah, I'm never going to criticize John Williams, and I'm definitely not going to criticize his score for Return of the Jedi. I love it. In fact, the music that plays during the battle scene with the Ewoks, that's one of my favorite pieces of music of all seven Star Wars movies now, which I really should say six because there's really nothing good in uh, Force Awakens soundtrack. <laughs> but... Um, that music's great, but yet at the same time, it always kind of bothered me that the music was too goofy, so I think it dragged it down. And I'm not even saying this battle. I love the battle music in uh, Battle for Endor here, but I just feel like because it's real action, tension music, it helps You know, the action seems at least make the Ewoks more credible. Um, but we'll just kind of breeze through all the stuff on the end here. Uh, another one of the cool gags I liked was the robe, where how are we going to get past them? So you have Noel with Wicked on his shoulders. <laughs> And Teak kind of walking in between Noah's legs, and they've got this big robe uh, behind them. They're walking into walls and stuff. But again, not played like completely goofy for laughs. So I feel like the comedy in this movie, uh, it has its place. Uh, when they eventually get Sindel, I just like when they're trying to he, let everybody out of the cage, and they're trying to let uh, Bird lay out of the cage, and you go, no, she's evil. <laughs> like, that's just what you say. Not, oh, she's the one who kidnapped me. She's evil. Uh <laughs> I like seeing the Ewoks with the guns um, in both this and the climax. Uh, Noah forming the zip line to get them over the moat. Uh, that's cool, too. 
also that Noah goes back where she's like, I'm sorry about Salak. What do you mean, Salak? And she just sort of points to this <laughs> rotting corpse in the corner, which I don't think was the most delicate way to break it to him. Your best friend, a.k.a. love of your life, is gone. <laughs> but uh, still, it, it kind of sets up this whole thing with the, oh, they wanted the power. What power source? And he goes back and he gets it, which, of course, is you know how this whole movie's going to end. Um, they all zip line over the moat. And I, I just love when you know Noah and everybody is free of this. They've left this grappling hook zipline there, and Tarek walks up, and his men are out trying to zipline out to follow them. Tarek, not even knowing what's going on, this is a dumb move. He just cuts the thing. He's like, oh, this is in the way, and he cuts it and, of course, kills his own men, uh, which is kind of funny because the way it's played in the movie, it almost is kind of done for a laugh because you hear just this background noise where he walks in. It's like, what's this line here? And he cuts it, and you just hear hear this quiet like, oh! <laughs> Which is very subtle, but if you really know what's happening in the movie, it's hilarious. You needed a Wilhelm scream there. Ah! Yeah, exactly. Uh, so the bird lady is going after after them. Uh, I really don't get how this works, where he says, fine, go find them, and she puts on the ring, and then he rips it off just as she turns into a bird and somehow has it again. Like, it it doesn't really make sense how he could do that. Is she a crow forever now? Is that, is that what they're implying? Like, she yeah. can't turn him back into a human? Yeah, maybe without the ring she can. But at the same time, you have to wonder, when she turns into the, the crow all those other times, do we see her holding a ring from her claw at any point or her beak? I mean, like, what happens to the ring? I, just, I don't it's get it. It's one of these, like, mythical uh, things. It's like when the Hulk turns into the Hulk and his clothes still fit. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Pretty much the same thing. Exactly the same thing. <laughs> Uh, but the whole climax here is great. You know, there's the uh, another line that Noah had here about uh, run, you little bug lovers, which I still want to know what a bug lover is. Uh, here we get finally the battle for Endor, which this is a real only battle in the movie. Um, and it's just the skull heads against the Ewoks. Uh, Noah says this. This really made me scratch my head. You know, hold them off till the ship is powered up. Uh, that's the only way we're going to have a chance. But... If he holds them off till the ship's powered up, what's he going to do? Fly away with Sindel and leave the Ewoks? The Ewoks are still there to battle and to die. Like, <laughs> Selfish he didn't Noah. say, we'll all get in the ship. <laughs> yeah, like, what are you going to take them back to their village? They, they can follow you. It's, But still, it makes for an exciting climax. He's basically working in the ship trying to get this thing going. There's lots of sparks and all that. The Ewoks have, you know, Wicket starting the tow fire on the, <laughs> not the dewback, but the dewback like thing. I love those things. Which, it's always. Yeah, yeah, they're cool, cool effects and everything. They they look different. Um, I, I wonder because of how closely these movies were together. If it's it's a typical George Lucas thing to do when he's developing a Star Wars movie, is he'll just ask all of his designers just design any type of creature you want, and I'll just file it away. And then years later, he'll come back to it and say, "Oh yeah, I remember when we did this one for the Phantom Menace. Huh, I wonder if we could update it and make it this character that I'm writing." And a lot of these things probably were just leftovers that weren't used from Star Wars. But it's the creatures like this also that we're seeing in this movie that feel more Star Wars like. You know, all we really had was the Gorax and that tree sock puppet in uh, Caravan of Courage. Uh, and even if, as you said, this is more of like a fairy tale fantasy story. Even just having the creatures. The creatures all look Star Wars-like in this, uh, yeah. including Teak, which I like. I agree. Um, uh, what other stuff happens in this? Um, the, the the Take that, you big, tall lummox. I don't know what a lummox is. <laughs> Can you Google that for me? Sure. Uh, Wicket's hanging again. So now we get his dad, which 
L U M O X. Sorry. It was a line Noah had where I'm like, what does that mean? L U M O X? Yeah. Um uh well, according to if you add an M to it, if it's L U M M O X, uh it is Maybe it is. Uh, according to the dictionary, noun, North American, informal, a clumsy stupid person. Watch it, you great lummox. <laughs> You big, tall lummox. Okay, um, so that makes sense. And if we go to our beloved Urban Dictionary, a large, dim-witted, tumbling oaf of, lumbering oaf of a person with lacking tact, intellectual prowess, and manual dexterity. As such, this half-human, half-baboon creature is unable to get out of its own way. That's exactly how you describe Tarek. There so you there go. you go. Hey, look you at that. You and Noah are on the same page. Um when the ship's weapons eventually come online, you get the Ewoks now firing cannon. This could have been played a lot darker. Like, have you ever heard of the Phantom Edit? Uh, I've heard of it, but I don't know what it is. <laughs> it's what happened was after the Phantom Menace came out, somebody said, you know, it's not that Phantom Menace was a bad movie. It's just there were some small mistakes that were made in it. And they took it and they re-edited similar to the way I described how I do with the Spider-Man movies uh, and, you know, other ones I've done. They re-edited the Phantom Menace with just little changes in there, like take out this one liner that Jar Jar has where it's maybe a little bit too comical. Uh, the most noticeable thing is that when, you know, Anakin is told, you know, stay in that ship, he's, when he's activating the weapons, you know, he's not saying, oops, or, oh, I didn't realize it did that. They cut those lines out. So it actually looks like Anakin has a bit of a dark side where he's like, yeah, let me kill these things. Uh, so yeah, just little changes, a fan edit that was made for the Phantom Menace here. Um, I don't know where I was going with that. Maybe I just wanted to talk about the Phantom Edit. <laughs> wow. We're, we're in Star Wars Month on the Oz Network. We've uh, taken three weeks, and I think we've talked more about the prequels than any other podcast in history and defended most of it. So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of these days I'll remember why I was talking about the Phantom Edit in relation to this. Uh, I want to talk about Deej for a second. This is Wicket's dad. There's a couple mentions, like especially when Jeremy's dying at the beginning. He goes, you know, go find Deej. He realizes, like, he's not going to say go find Wicket. I mean, that would kind of be like if... Uh, you know, Casper uh, is orphaned or whatever. And just in my dying words, I'm like, go find, you know, your cousin. Uh, and <laughs> you go find Ben. You have the least trustworthy person you could think Get of. Get on a plane. Uh, go to Hobart. Fine. He'll ben. be at the horse stables. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be at the racetrack. <laughs> the box of but tissues. I like that Deech comes back here. And when Wicket's hanging upside down, the same booby trap he was caught in earlier. Deej catapults himself to take out, I, th- well, I can't remember if it was Tarek or one of the other ones, uh, one of the other big, tall lummoxes. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Deej gets his action hero moment. He flies through the air. But I, I don't know. I feel like they downplay it, and it almost would have been a little bit more of a satisfying end, I think, if, if you know, Wicket was like, Daddy! And he just flies in and saves the day. But even when he flies in and saves the day, Wicket's sort of like, Sindel, are you okay? Like, your dad just <laughs> nearly killed himself. Love story, see? <laughs> and you it's, that's right. They're a couple. That's the thing. Um, so then there's just the final showdown with Tarek here. Uh, after you think all of the Skullheads are running away, uh, you know, he says, give me the power or we take her. And, of course, he's holding Sindel hostage. Uh, Wilford Brimley gets an action scene, a big sore fight. <laughs> and I also want to mention the guy that played Tarek here. Uh, I didn't realize that he was as famous as he was. But, uh, you know, if you look him up on IMDb, uh, his name is Carol, I think you pronounce it Struken. Carol Struken. Um, I recognized him if you actually look at him. He from looks, several he doesn't look like he's got any makeup on in this damn movie. 
Yeah, well, exactly. But this and perfect example of this is the guy who uh, I knew him from Star Trek: The Next Generation. But he actually played Lurch in the Adams Family movies and Men in Black. Uh, I think he was the tall and, dude. And Men in Black in the, uh, the yeah, he was the tall guy with the diplomat scene in that like restaurant. I ordered you pierogi. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and he played Tarek here, which again I don't know if he was doing the voice or whatever, but uh, you know I I I don't know I I kind of have this thing of appreciating actors who are acting with like. These masks on, you get actors like Warwick Davis. I've, you know, made no, uh, uh, no secret about you know the, uh, my appreciation for what Warwick Davis could do, you know, behind a mask here. And it's the same thing. I just I like the performance we get out of uh, Tarek here without doing much. And a big action scene, you know, probably the only action scene Wilford Brimley will ever be in. Let's be honest, but uh, they pull it off. It's an uh, it's an okay sword fight. Um, in the end, there's a weird thing that happens with the ring here where wicket throws a rock with his sling and it i don't know if it's that it's breaking this ring or activating it but that basically just turns Tarek to stone <laughs> which doesn't make a lot of sense unless it is broken but you don't really see it clearly demonstrated as broken uh still it's kind of cool to have the big villain turn to stone and uh the bird ladies i guess as we said a bird forever uh we get the final wizard of oz goodbye ending i'm gonna miss you the most wicket and of course <laughs> goodbye t goodbye out. deeds yeah, <laughs> Ben's in the background stroking the sexy horse, <laughs> playing with its horn. Uh, <laughs> one final line about the goodbye, not good, uh, and we get like the typical ET '80s ending: the ship flying off to the sky and everybody running and waving. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and that is Battle for Endor. So a whole lot to talk about, a whole climax here, about a half an hour of the movie, but I'm sure you got something you want to mention in there. Well, I swear there's like lots of little moments if you're like listening to when these things are like grunting and groaning and saying things. I've written down at least three occasions where I swear they've said like, shit, fuck. And there's one bit where I swear <laughs> somebody says like, suck your dick. Um, what? <laughs> like, I don't even know what part it is. I'm just written here. I've said one point here, says fuck, says shit. Says suck your dick. <laughs> um, like I don't know what I was. This watching. is just where Ben's mind is. Yeah. Um. But I said another bit here. Did he say fuck? Uh, I've like literally written this <laughs> down here. There are seriously moments in this, like just kind of like to mention that, like Noah and I did one of these episodes of of Lost, and there was a scene where like Kate trips over. And I've written down, like, I swear she says, like, fuck, as she trips down. And then, like, it was on, like, the Lost Trivia or something like that, where it's like, Evangeline Lilly said fuck as she fell down, and they did not edit it out. So, it's like, it's like you really got to listen to it, but you can hear it. So, I swear there's, like, so many bits in here where they say it. But, um, yeah, I mean, I like the ending. It's, you know, it's, it's a nice battle. It kind of reminded me of, the Return, of Return of the Jedi, I guess, kind of just with what they're doing and fighting as this giant army. Um, but, like, when, like, uh, Sindel's sitting in the spacecraft and she's got that, like, little, what is it, like a TV screen, and she's all like, they're coming, they're yeah. coming. Like, who's moving the camera? Because that camera keeps, like, moving. She's just sitting there. Her arms aren't on anything. So, like, does, why does this camera automatically pan to danger or something like that? Um, and, yeah, I don't get why he turns into, like, a stone... Um, and do they take that with them and kind of like have that as a monument? Like, haha, this, yeah. this is us. Why don't we see that in the Ewok village in Return of the Jedi? That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Like, sort of like continuity. Like, that's just their monument. Like, instead of banging on the helmets of like stormtroopers and stuff, like they're banging on the Terak statue. Um, yeah. I do like it when Noah has this, like, what does he say? Like, 
oh, let her loose, and I'll fight you for it. And Terex is like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. Um, And then, yeah, I mean, this is all it took for him to fly off this damn planet. So what about his house? Like, he's, he's, again, he's Teak living in this house now, and all the Ewoks. Why can't the Ewoks... It was always Teak's house. Always Teak's house. Why can't the Ewoks go with him? Like, Dick, Noah, and Sindel moment. Just, like, leaving the Ewoks behind. I I mean, Ben, if you show up on a planet of, you know, any type of animals or creatures that are not horses, are you going to want to stay there as nice as they are? Depends how nice they are. That could be very nice. I don't know. Um, you know, when I, she's got to go back to school. When I go to America and Canada, it's like I go to another planet. So I want to stay. So, like, but where's school? Like, does this is where they're like, this is like deleted the post credit scene. You know, Noah's flying and there's Sindel. She's like Chewy or something like that. And they're chilling. And, you know, Noah's all like, so Sindel, where do you go to school? And she's all like, older on. And it's like, wop, 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 wop. <laughs> 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 You've been away. I just picked times. that up on the Empire News Service that Alderaan was destroyed. <laughs> um, like, is this like the new, like the the spin-off sequel trilogy or something like that? Like, she's going to get trained into becoming like some Jedi, and she's going to. This is this is Ray. This is Ray right now. This is yeah. we're, 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 <laughs> we're, we've worked it out. Like, it's not Luke's daughter. It's not Obi Wan's daughter or any of this sort of stuff. Ray is Sindel. Start it right now. Start it trending. <laughs> Hashtag Ray is Sindel. Ray uh, is Sindel. <laughs> how would you be? Like, legitimately, if they... Like, there's no way in hell they're going to do it. But, like, if that was actually it. Like, mind let's blown. Put, <laughs> yeah, let's put the pieces together. I mean, the age doesn't check out unless Sindel just never ages. You know, changes her hair color no, and all on, that. Hang but... on. Look, just, I'm going to stop you straight away. This is the Star Wars universe with Aunt Beru aged like 50 years in 20 years. <laughs> yes. And Obi-Wan <laughs> aged like 50 years yeah. in 20 years. So I'm, I'm going to call bullshit on that. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay. But let's put the pieces together here, okay? So we know that Ray was abandoned on a planet by somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, kicked, kicked him out of the spaceship. Like, I'm sick of you, Sindel. Go fuck off. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, exactly. Your flower pies suck. <laughs> I don't want you on my ship. <laughs> go play in the sand. <laughs> and yeah, it's it's Noah kicks her off the ship. He leaves her there. He abandons her. Uh-huh. And she spends her whole time. She, the little doll she has, which looks like an X-Wing, it's the same outfit the Mace is wearing. Exactly. She's got her little doll. You're right. She's, she, she can't remember. She's like, who is this? It's Mace. That's who it is. It's your brother. <laughs> yes. See? Two from two. And why does she love BB-8 so much? Because it reminds her of her old boyfriend, Wicked. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Ray is single. Hashtag Ray is single. Ray is and hashtag bestial is okay in Star Wars. <laughs> hashtag that's a sexy looking horse. <laughs> See, Star um, Wars Month and the Oz Network isn't just covering these weird movies. We're actually retconning these into the actual Star Wars universe. We've proven it. Ray is single. Yeah. <laughs> and she's a scavenger. And she goes into Noah's house and she just starts yep. picking apart. Well, we'll keep this. We'll throw this away. And and like, let's just be honest. When it comes to who is Snoke, uh, I think we both know who it is. You know, it's definitely Teak. Yes, Teak. <laughs> Teak is Snoke. 
Oh, I can't believe we've done this. Uh, <laughs> we have solved it uh, a few weeks before the last chat. I'm telling you now, if this becomes true, in the one in a billion chance that this is true, we are the only yeah. podcast or anyone out there who got this theory correct. George Lucas has to fly to each of our houses and, like, cook us a plant pie or flower pie or something <laughs> like that. You're listening, George Lucas. I know you're not involved in these because you're counting your billions that you sold them off to Disney, but, like, you, you know, secretly handed them a note... You're like, hey, Mickey Mouse, here's what I really want you to do. And, um, yeah, you're welcome, Star Wars fans. Yeah. Um, anything else you want to talk about on the climax? Um, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's also uh, correct. We, we both defended George Lucas in a prior episode for the fact that he sold this and gave every penny of his billions away to charity. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> let's, yeah, let's... He was let's, counting his billions a little... before handing them over to, like, World Vision. World Vision, yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't he's, know what charity. Charitable- what charity? Like, okay, like I love George Lucas, but let's be honest, him donating every cent that he got from Disney off to charity really is kind of like you know when Bill Gates is like, I'm donating thirty billion dollars to charity. Oh, good on you, Bill. You're only worth like a hundred billion dollars. That doesn't really count for you. Yeah. Well, I mean, <laughs> we should say it's actually cool. This is you know we got nothing else really to talk about the movie here, but. Uh, it is kind of cool what he did with it, where when he sold it, I think it was for $4.1 billion or something like that. And he actually started his own charity, which was for education. It was basically, you know, to get people educated uh, who struggle in schools to get them into universities because he said that's who he was. Uh, you know, the whole story with George Lucas was that you know he didn't take school seriously. He was probably going to flunk out of high school. He got in a car accident three weeks before the end of the school year and that his teachers let him graduate because they felt sorry for him. And that through almost losing his life, he's like, well, why don't I take school seriously? Went off film school, became a millionaire. So, uh, yeah, I'm a big defender of George Lucas. I love, uh, I love the guy. Even, but it's just, I just like, yeah. just imagine, you know, just think right now, you're chilling, you go to bed right now, and Jamie's something, but you're just wanting to write. So I don't know. But you come up with an idea. Like, it's it's like if you, you ever get a time machine, you go back in time, what are you going to do? Like, oh, I'll write Star Wars, I'll write Harry Potter. You know what I mean? Because, like, all it is is just you legitimately come up with a few ideas, you turn it into a bit of a story, and then you just get to the point where you're so rich off this idea that you can just <laughs> sell it and then just donate the money to charity. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, we keep bringing up Lost. Download now via the Lost Network. But there's that one where they're going back in time and Hurley's writing the script for The Empire Strikes Back. Because <laughs> it's like in 1979 or something. I'm like, dude, are you writing The Empire Strikes Back? I'm like, well, it hasn't been written yet. So, like... Uh- Fun thing here, if we ever are looking for extra things to cover, maybe for when Han Solo comes out next year, is to do Star Wars-themed episodes of the show. Uh, the TV show Legends of Tomorrow, which stars Brandon Routh, uh, <laughs> famous for Hallmark Christmas movies and Superman. Uh, Legends that Jamie just said he's hot. Okay. Cool. So- <laughs> hey, Jamie. Jamie, do you find horses attractive? Jamie, do you find horses sexy? i heard that let's leave it there yeah uh so yeah legends of tomorrow did an episode where they go back in time when george lucas is in film school and it's an episode about him being on a science fiction movie it's kind of like well maybe this is where george lucas got the idea because we put in his head so yeah there's a whole bunch of cool things like that we could cover um let's wrap up the movie here uh 
as far as critics go, there, there's really nothing online where you could see any proper critics' reviews. You did mention on Caravan of Courage, they got like 25% for the critics' rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, the audience was, I think, 44. There's no critics' ratings for Battle for Endor, but the audience score is 51. So it's stronger. It's definitely not as strong as I think the difference between these movies are. And I'll kind of get your opinion on this. Uh, because I've already said this was like a childhood favorite movie of mine, whereas Caravan of Courage wasn't. Uh, but I feel like you know if Caravan of Courage is a 44, like this has to be at least a 60 to a 70, seven extra percent. Is that fair enough for the improvements they made in this one? I, I mean, it's definitely a you know I think maybe a bit more than seven. I mean, look, it's definitely a, an improvement uh, for sure. Um, I don't understand how that's going to come when it comes to my rating of it, but um, yeah, I mean, it's still. Something that I don't know I'd go out of my way to watch again anytime soon. Um, but yeah, I mean, out of the three that we've done, this is by far the best that we've done and the most rewatchable out of all of them. Um, which again, that doesn't really say much because I don't necessarily know if this is fantastic either. But um, I guess also it comes out, it might be one of these things, like as you were saying, how like you obviously saw this when you were a lot younger and you sort of have some nostalgia and that to it with it. And, you know, I'm seeing it now as a 30-year-old, so... Um, not the intended audience, but uh, I mean, I'm sure there's lots of things that I watched when I was younger that I would watch today. And like, oh my god, I still really like this, and it's actually really, really terrible. So there is a month what we could do where we just trade childhood favorites the other one has never seen to to actually get to the bottom of are we loving these just because we're you were children at the time, or you know, or, or these things that would really hold up. There's a an Australian TV series would be way. I mean, they did two seasons of it. The second season was pretty rubbish, but the first season it was like 26 episodes, but um it was called Spellbinder and it was like about um these like these kids they go on a school camp and they accidentally um transform one of the kids into like another dimension. So then this kid's like living in this other dimension. There's like marauders in it and there's like castles and you know flying ships and like there's these mythical sort of people called the Spellbinders who have this like magical power and all this sort of stuff and it's kind of like Back in the other world, they're trying to find the kid, and then they kind of the world cross over, and it's like really cool. And I randomly found it on DVD one time. It was like super expensive, but of course I was going to buy it. I actually rewatched it last year, and it, to me it holds up still. It's like about twenty years old mm. now, um, but I just loved every minute of it. And then there was another show in Australia called, which is very popular amongst kids. It was sort of of uh, popular author here. It's called Round the Twist, um, which it ran for like four seasons, but they kind of did it over, like, about 15 years. Like, season one was in, like, 1988. Season two was in, like, 1993. And they're always different actors in each time. But I try to start watching the first season. I'm like, this does not hold up. <laughs> so, like, mm-hmm. I just stopped. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be a fun month for us to do. But, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at with this one is that uh, I don't feel like this is just nostalgia. Like, I actually feel like if I watched this for the first time now, I'd probably really enjoy it. There's some things that maybe I would enjoy more, uh, or some things I do enjoy more now just because I have seen it. But, I mean, in particular, just the, since it's been several years, I can kind of look at it and think, well, I didn't really remember this. I didn't remember how good some of the action is in this. Uh, you know, not that it's at the level where you're seeing, like, spaceships flying everywhere, but just for a typical ground battle, I feel like this is, you know, when you take into account the fact that the effects aren't as strong, I think it's at least on level with Return of the Jedi for what a lower-budget movie would be. Um, but we'll, we'll get to, I guess, the final reviews uh, in a minute. Uh, there's really nothing else to mention as far as sequels or anything from this because this kind of ended it. I wished I could have found what the ratings were for this because I know that the uh, Caravan of Courage, that the uh, TV ratings were strong enough. They said, give us another one you know, in, for this time next year. 
this aired, I guess, around Thanksgiving, November 24th, 1985. So uh, basically, this past week would be the 32nd anniversary anniversary, yeah, as of this past week of when this movie came out. But I'm guessing because we don't see a lot of like, well, you know, huge TV ratings for this, uh, that uh, maybe it wasn't that big of a hit. I do know it was like Caravan of Courage overseas in Europe. It was released theatrically and apparently it didn't do well. Um, but, uh, you know, again, it's a TV movie being released theatrically. Who knows if it uh, was ever supposed to do well. Um Anything else we need to cover before the we get to our review or ratings? Uh, it won. Did it win a couple of Emmys? Did I read that somewhere? It won like a. It won for visual effects. Yeah. Um, and uh, is this similar? I mean, I actually couldn't find anything more like we did last week about the whole canon thing. Whether Disney's just erased it and it's part of the legends or whatever the hell they called it. Um, yeah, which I don't know. I still think uh, it was the same rant I had last week that I I just feel like to say, well, this isn't canon. Or they're calling it the Legends thing, which really that Legends thing was created for things that don't fit with the modern retelling. This taking place, you know, in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi, and having nothing that you know uh, changes any of the stories of all that. It's 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 ridiculous that they would even try to say. I'm not saying this movie's so good it needs to be part of canon, but there's no it has no bearing on anything else that happens. Just let yeah. it be its own thing. And I, I agree with that because it's kind of one of these things that it's like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it doesn't change anything. It's kind of nice to just have a side story in this, you know, expansive universe that is Star Wars. So, um, and like, I mean, I'm reading here that there's obviously a lot of, there's a few references to characters and things that are in some of those other sort of things moving forward. Uh, obviously, they had the Ewoks, the the cartoon series, and um, yeah, a few mm. things here that it says oh, in the yeah, Wikipedia Oh, yeah, that's page. something to talk about. Yeah, so. Um, yeah, I mean, the animated series, which again, I'm guessing you haven't seen that. No, never. Uh, I've watched the animated series. I remember when I was a kid, I saw both droids and Ewoks, but it wasn't something, it was one of these things where it's like, well, it was on TV last week. How come it's not on right now? Um, but I have found episodes since then. I think that both shows are pretty good. Ewoks is definitely more of a kid's show. Uh, droids, I think I probably enjoy a little bit more, but, uh, again, just showing the popularity of the characters, uh, or the species of Ewoks that this isn't like, I mean, if George Lucas had, you know, gone out there and made a Jar Jar animated series <laughs> and then two Jar Jar spinoff movies, you know, I, I guarantee people would be talking about, well, it flopped. I mean, we're not talking about things that flopped. We're talking about, you know, two Ewok movies and an Ewok animated series and all of them were successful and still to this day, all of them have success. I mean, this was released on DVD. It's pretty much the only release it ever had. Uh, yeah, so I mean, the, the Ewoks' popularity, I think, is something that's gotten trashed over the years. But I feel like between both these episodes, we've clearly demonstrated like the Ewoks were very popular at the time, I like and the probably Ewoks. with good reason. I think that they age better, I, you know, especially since we can look back on. And I was for years. I'm not even going to say was. I still am in some ways a defender. I want to be careful how I phrase this. Uh, I'm not a criticizer of Jar Jar the way that most other people are. I feel like he has his place for the type of movie that that was. But in rewatching Phantom Menace recently, I can definitely see a lot more of the complaints. I don't get that with Return of the Jedi or these. I just, I, you said it at the beginning, I never got that with the Ewoks. I always liked the Ewoks. Would it have been stronger if it was George Lucas's original idea of the Wookiees, you know, when he was originally developing this whole trilogy before Star Wars New Hope even came out 
that it was supposed to be Wookiees battling them on the planet, that probably would have been cooler. But as a replacement, there's nothing wrong with the Ewoks, and they're fun characters. Yeah, and I mean, it's going to be very interesting when we get to Phantom Menace one day. And like, as we've always said, I feel that when we eventually get to those, we're probably going to do like two, three parts on each of the damn movies. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, as, yeah, as you said, I said, I have never got, like, I've always loved the Ewoks, always loved them. And yeah, I mean, it would have been cool to see sort of Chewie and Co fighting everyone. Would have we seen like Chubby and Itzy and whatever they were called from fucking Holiday Special. <laughs> Chubby and Itzy. Um, yeah. We sort of eventually ended up getting our uh, Chewbacca, you know, Wookiee stuff, didn't we? In um, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Revenge, Revenge of the Sith. Sith. Thank yeah. you. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's kind of like I like Chewbacca. I don't dislike Chewbacca. He's cool. But I'm not one of these people who are like, oh, he's like the greatest thing ever. You know what I mean? Like, Again, I, mm-hmm. I like him. I just, I don't, I'm not saying I like the Ewoks better than Chewbacca. I'm not saying that. But, you know, I don't know. He's, that's that's a whole other killer fish when we get to Chewie. But anyway, yeah, I like Ewoks. There we go. <laughs> uh, how much did you like Ewoks Battle for Endor? Would you say you would buy it? Would you rent it? Or would you bin it? Well, I'm not buying it. <laughs> Let's get that over and done with. Um... I don't know, like, because it's kind of like, again, as I said, I, probably, I don't want to rush out and rewatch this anytime soon. Um, but, I mean, it's like I liked it better than last week. Um, so it's kind of, it's either going to be a high bin or a low rent for me. Um, and, look, maybe I need to give a little bit of love. I think maybe I'm going to rent it. Low, low rent. It's just on the cusp. Oh. Just on the cusp I honestly... of the border, of the I... rent bin border. <laughs> I honestly thought that you'd be a little bit higher on this movie. I didn't expect you to flip out and buy this, but maybe, I don't know, maybe you're still remembering too much of bad memories of Caravan of Courage. No, it's not that. It's just like, kind of, as I said, like, and again, I'm not necessarily saying this is a bad thing. Maybe it just comes down to the type of movies and things that I like, but just so much of this just, I felt like I wasn't watching a Star Wars, anything to do with Star Wars. I just felt like this was just kind of like a fantasy sort of thing. And, you know, I mean, it's not that I dislike. I mean, I love The Labyrinth. It's kind of one of my favorite childhood movies, but... You know, I think somebody tried to show me the Dark Crystal once, and I was kind of, eh. You know, like, it's just kind of... Things like that don't necessarily get me as excited as it does with horses, you know? I know there's horses in those movies, <laughs> but I don't know. Like, that's kind of like... My sister's a lot more into those sort of things, and like Lord of the Rings and shit. Like, that's never really been my bag. I like more science fictiony sort of things, and a lot of that kind of just took me away from it. But, I mean, it's a lot more enjoyable, again, if... Sort of, you sat me down and said, Ben, here are your three options, Holiday Special, Caravan of Courage, or Battle for Endor. You have to watch one. I'm like, well, Battle for Endor, please. Um, So I think it's a vast improvement. And, you know, for sure, as I said, easily over these other other two. So, um, yeah, a low rent for me. But, you know, I I haven't binned it. So, come on, give me at least that. Uh, I'm going to say I'm definitely buying this one. And uh, I kind of thought I would rent... This, you know, I I wasn't sure what I was going to do with Caravan of Courage, but I didn't think I would go as far as say buy it. But like, I honestly am really surprised how much this movie holds up and how much I enjoy it still now, as much as I did, you know, ten years ago or even ten years prior to that. I just think it's a really fun movie, and I don't feel like there's any scenes in this that drag. It's not the greatest thing. Is this isn't on level with the Star Wars movies, but for a TV spinoff, I mean, 1985 TV spinoff, this is about as good as it would possibly get i mean i don't think they could have hoped for the result to come out as as good as this i think the characters are all fun i think wilford brimley's fantastic i think teak's amazing like i still say teak one of my favorite may probably my top 10 favorite star wars characters period wow across all movies like i love teak that much 
Uh, and yeah, I definitely want the Tika action figure. So this is a buy it for me. Not like the strongest buy it ever, but I will buy this. Probably, I think, the first time since Suicide Squad that you and I have had a differing rating when it comes to a movie, I think, just off the top mm-hmm. of my head. So, I don't know, that wasn't really Although, that long ago. We but <laughs> We've done four movies since then. <laughs> yeah, I know. But I was kind of looking there like, was it White Man Can't Jump? But no, we had Suicide Squad in there. So, yeah, there mm-hmm. you go. That brings us to the end of, uh, I guess, this era of Star Wars, the original trilogy, even though these two movies came out after it, they're still connected to it. So we've really only got one spinoff left. And, uh, you know, before we get to a proper episode, uh, which will be Last Jedi, uh, and the end of our Star Wars month, uh, which is going to be the animated Clone Wars movie. Now, uh, it's it's tough to... I, I kind of already figure... You know, I, I shouldn't say that. I don't know what your feeling on this will be because I don't think I've ever gotten your opinion on whether you care for animation or not. But I don't really view the Clone Wars as an animated thing. And George Lucas never intended it for it to be that. He wanted it to look like animation, but he wanted it to feel like the movies. And I, I haven't watched this movie since... Let me think. Well, I guess two years ago, I rewatched the entire Clone Wars series as long, uh, along with all the movies. But uh, yeah, th- this movie itself, it's not like I ever feel the need to go back and watch it. I think its reputation is probably more, well, the movie was okay, but the TV show got really good. With each season that followed, it got better and better. So uh, it might be hard for me to separate the TV show and the movie here, but uh, you have no knowledge of this other than just knowing it exists like you know nothing about the story or have never seen it do you remember the trailers even yeah, i mean i nearly went and saw it at the movies like i kind of when it was being released and everything i remember kind of the lead up to it and um you know i, I wanted to go see it i just think it was just one of these ones where you're planning to do something and you just ultimately it was like well it's, i'm not completely have to have to see it if you know what i mean so i mean mm-hmm. like i'm not i don't know i'm, I'm indifferent with animation like I yeah I I don't dislike animation. I'm just not, I'm not the biggest fanboy for animation. Uh, I mean I like the Pixar movies. Um, you know, uh, definitely. You know, I'm a Simpsons fan, of course. Who isn't South Park? Things like that. I mean, again, I'm not anti animation. I just don't necessarily put it up there when it comes to you know live action stuff in terms of have to go see. Like I probably couldn't even remember the last li- uh, animated film I would have gone and seen. Um, might have been Toy Story 3. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what the last animated film I would have gone out of my way to go and see. So um, it's kind of, it just depends really what it is. But yeah, I, I honestly was going to go see this. I just never got around to it. And it's just been something that I've just never got around to watching because kind of I know that it's what's set between episodes 2 and 3 and kind of, you know, I, I like always finding out things that happen in between films and stuff like that and i've sort of read bits and pieces here and there about what's happened in this i've read bits and pieces about the tv shows and stuff like that and kind of there have always been things that i've heard are good and i've wanted to see so um yeah i mean i'm looking forward to watching this because this is probably i would say out of all the four that you said we're going to do this is the one i've probably been looking forward to the most because um, again i i like the prequels more than most people should i mean these are our star wars movies this is our era this is what we grew up on yeah so this is kind of our universe that kind of you know we sort of did and this is slowly now sadly getting forgotten about because we've gotten our new our sequel trilogy now so i don't know there's a lot of nostalgia to this sort of era when it comes to star wars because i remember sort of growing up with this is what was our star wars so I'm looking forward to it. I mean, I talked to Nick, uh, as in the Oz Network's Nick, Nip Tuck's Nick, uh, and we were talking about Star Wars Month, 
and I said that we're doing this one, and he's all like, oh, well, good luck with that. It's terrible. So, um... For the Clone Wars, you mean? Yeah, for for this movie. So, yeah, uh, that's Nick's uh, opinion of it. (laughs) Well, and the thing is, is that I, and again, I haven't seen it in a while, but I would say there's some things in this that are kind of terrible, and there's other things in there that are actually kind of brilliant. Um, And I'm pretty much the same as you. I'm not actually a big animation fan at all. In fact... Uh, I can count on two fingers how many animated shows I actually watched every episode of. Uh, and it was The Clone Wars and then Avatar The Last Airbender, which what George Lucas did when he made The Clone Wars TV series is he got the guy who did Avatar The Last Airbender, who was like the main director on that, and said, I want you to do the same thing with Star Wars. So both of those shows kind of don't feel like animation. But I, I got to be honest, like if if Jamie's a big fan of animated movies and stuff like that, if we ever watch them, if we're in the theater or we're at home, I will fall asleep to every single animated movie. And it's not that I dislike them, but there's just something about watching animation that I always drift off and I end up nodding off to. Um, so, and, you know, as far as, like, the Japanese animation stuff, like, I'm definitely, I'm not, say I'm critical of it, but I'm not a fan of that. I don't really get it at all. But I, I do feel like there, this movie and this TV show uh, have a good balance between you know it being kind of a cartoon and actually being kind of an exciting movie. So it'll be fun to cover because uh, I think it'll give me an opportunity to talk a lot about the TV show, something that I don't think we'll ever get around to doing a hundred whatever episodes for the Clone Wars animated series. Even though that would be fun to do, maybe you know uh, before episode nine, who knows? Um, yeah, add it to the list of uh, numerous things that we'd love to do, and sadly life <laughs> makes it that we can't do it. But um... Yeah, and I, I know that, like, the voice actors, um, so I'll have a, a weird, funny, interesting story, I guess, to talk about uh, Matt Lanter, the guy who does Anakin Skywalker's voice. Oh, yeah. Um, in terms of a friend of mine who just was weirdly obsessed with this guy when I was in uh, college. Um, have you seen the TV show? It's talk about something else would be fun to cover. The TV show he's on, Timeless? Uh, no, the only TV show I saw him on was when he was on Commander-in-Chief, so that's kind of where my knowledge oh. of him came from back when my friend was, like, so in love with him. So, um, yeah. I, I mean, he's been... He's like, he does a lot of shit, doesn't he? He randomly pops up in so many things, and he does a lot of voices, doesn't he, as well? So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I like the guy. I don't dislike Matt Lanter, but he's just kind of one of these random people that you say the name, and I don't think many people know who he is, but um, mm-hmm. he's just done a lot of shit. All right, so <laughs> Matt Lancer week coming soon to the Oz Network. Wow, the only pot, um, like, seriously, if we couldn't get Matt Lancer on this show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, or uh, Nikki Botello. Um, <laughs> hopefully that will be coming is soon. Is Padme in but, this? Yeah. Jeez, I can't even mind to see her on the list here. She is, yeah. Catherine Tabor. <laughs> Who's Catherine Tabor? Poor woman, I will Natalie say Portman. She does, a, she does a good job of sounding like Natalie Portman. The character is secondary. I mean, this is the Clone War show, and it, uh, I, this was really meant to be the pilot for the TV show, and uh, it, it is very much the Clone Wars. You know, Padme may pop up in a handful of episodes each season. To be honest, usually those are the boring episodes where, like, oh, you got a bunch of politicians talking about, uh, you know, taxation and all that. Uh, but for the most part, it's not about Padme. She has her side plot in this movie, but it is about Anakin and Obi-Wan as generals fighting a war. Uh, which is, I think, what really worked with the show. But yeah, that that'll be that'll be fun to talk about next week. And then we got the Last Jedi after that. So Woo! what do we have? We have uh, this episode, and then we have next week, which technically goes into a new month. We understand, but that will be uh, the Clone Wars, 
then the following are we gonna have the following week or just days after that i guess we're gonna have to do uh, a yeah, final preview it's gonna for have to be sort of Jedi. a few of these in a row so like yeah we'll have our uh clone wars and probably about three days later we'll have our preview then three days later we'll have our two episodes on uh the last jedi because we're doing yeah, something different we we normally do the spoiler free reviews but i mean there's two things star wars you know, you're going to want to talk about the spoilers. And also, this is one movie where we can guarantee everybody's going to see it probably within a week or two weeks tops. Um, so, yeah, we're probably going to give you back-to-back a spoiler-free review and a spoiler review. And uh, then you can hear all of our uh, theories on, you know, where do you go from this when you find out that hashtag Ray is Sindel? Um, <laughs> and how does this tie into episode nine where we will find out uh, hashtag Finn is... Noah. Tarek. I don't know. <laughs> um, that is it for us. <laughs> that is it for us this week. Make sure to uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and Spotify and YouTube. We have YouTube. We do. Yes, we, we absolutely do. We barely use it, but we've got one. Yeah, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and Ben on Tinder... Well, horses neighing. Uh, <laughs> you never tagged me on Tinder before, but sure, if you live in the Hobart area within 50 kilometers of my house and are aged between 18 and 30, by all means, follow me on Tinder. I thought you were going to say have a nice mane, <laughs> white mane coat. Have a nice horn on top of your head. Stern hooves. Uh, <laughs> nice fetlocks. Yeah, uh, maybe the weirdest thing we ever uncovered on... <laughs> Uh, an Oz Network episode, but uh, subscribe to all of us, uh, iTunes, uh, not subscribe on iTunes. You know what to do at this point. There's no need to plug it. Uh, that's it for this episode. My name is Colin, and uh, you have all been our honored guests. <laughs> and my name is Ben. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.